I'm Dr. Future, your host. I invite you to join me as together we experience a future quake. quake, quake, quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I'm Dr. Future. And I'm Tom Endeavoring Not to Be Deceived, Bionic. And that is a worthwhile endeavor. Mm-hmm. Ladies and gentlemen. to be. That's right. Ladies and gentlemen, it's great to be back with you this week. We have another first-rate guest with us this week. We have Chris White, who is the host of the Nowhere to Run radio show and also operates the 2012 Deception website, which is, in fact, the topic of this week's show, the 2012 Deception. And we're going to be talking with him. He's done so much material that's posted online or uh, DVD or elsewhere. Mm Mm-hmm. And he sort of really held the charge in this issue, hadn't he? Particularly yeah. within Christendom. Well, you know, he was he he kind of got a little a little chagrin there on his on his facts at the beginning of this interview, but he has. I have had a little chagrin on my shirt, but usually spray and wash comes in. Yeah, well, <laughs> he has had about like twenty five million downloads of his stuff, or twenty five million views. Only twenty five million. Yeah, I would say that's a lot more hits than a lot of top religious leaders. Yes. That are well-known. Yeah, exactly. That's sort of the point, you know. So he, he's got this guy, unknown, working out in very modest conditions, and you know reaching the world. You know, what's especially frustrating to me is that he just feels for these people. He's an- constantly answering emails. People are getting saved almost weekly uh, through stuff that he's doing, you know, directly sending them emails and stuff. And then when he goes and, you know, talks to people mm-hmm. at churches and they go, you know, well, what do you do? And he said, well, you know, I, I, I kind of have these videos, sort of a film ministry. Yeah. And they're like, oh, really? What church you, yeah. you minister? What ordi- what ordination? Right. And I said, well, you know, it's really something I do independently. And they look at him like he grew a, you right. know, evil extra head. Right. And it's just it's really frustrating right. to see how sort of close-minded in the 1950s they are. Right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we got to go to our interview. But if you want to know the future of the functioning church, watch the steps of Chris White. So, no further ado, here is Brother Chris White talking about the 2012 deception. We'll be back for a wrap-up here at Future Quake. Welcome to the Future Quake show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom, not deceived, even by events in the future, hopefully, bionic. Hmm. There you had some more punctuation in there, a comma, I believe. <laughs> yeah. uh, <clears throat> we are back with an incredible guest this week. Uh, we have someone that we've been looking forward to have back on our show for some time. They stopped in very, very briefly at the beginning of the year in their distinguished position of providing us our predictions for 2010. We have Chris White, who was the host of the Nowhere to Run radio show and also the 2012 Deception website. And we're going to talk about the topic itself, the 2012 Deception. And we're going to cover a number of topics that people have emailed us about that have wanted us to do a show and we're going to speak from someone who's done an exhaustive amount of research on it, and we're going to find out all about it this week. Mr. White, it is wonderful to have you back yet again to the Future Quake Show. It's good to be back here. Um, this is definitely like the uh, the flagship uh, uh, place where everybody kind of keeps in touch with all this stuff, so I'm just uh, happy and honored to be a part of it. Whoa. You, you mean like the, the Titanic is like the flagship, <laughs> that kind of thing? Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay, that's an Lusitania. <laughs> hey, thank you for the compliment. We appreciate that. And we're um, we're just privileged in being a company of people like yourself. Of course, you're the big 
media mogul. You're the Rupert Murdoch of alternative Christian media. Right. Uh, is one of the moguls, along with your Smith, uh, I would say. your partner uh, uh, Frank there of the Revelations Radio Network. And uh, it was a major step forward of the Future Quake Show when we were given the privilege to come on board. Uh, we know you have a huge following worldwide uh, with your highly popular uh, Nowhere to Run site on YouTube where your many excellent video documentaries are stored and available. Uh, uh, let me ask you, how, how many hits have you had on some of those videos that you've had at your at the YouTube site? Um, you know, well, at the YouTube site, I probably could give you an exact number. Uh, there's a few of them. One of them is mirrored somewhere else. But uh, mm-hmm. I, I tried to make a guess for the bio that I just recently uh, wrote, which was somewhere around 2.5 million, but, or excuse me, no, uh, 250 uh, what did I say on that? Uh, I can't remember. I, I got the. I can't even remember what if it's two hundred fifty. This is this is Chris White we're talking to, correct? <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. I, I wasn't expecting. Ah, uh, sorry. Here. Yeah, I threw uh, that out of left field, but uh, over a million. Oh yeah, um, yeah, uh, a lot, <laughs> a lot. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. a lot. But but the thing is, is that I really can't keep keep uh, sure. up with it because there a lot of them are in different sites and it's changing real time. That's right. And you have to stay one step ahead of people who don't like what you have to say. Uh, but the, the point being that like the YouTube moderators. You're, you're an extremely humble person. Uh, you, you just work and focus on ministry and not on promoting yourself. But the actual impact that people have been impacted by your work dwarfs all the rest of us combined in alternative Christian media. So I see you as the mouse that roared. Uh, it's just you don't toot your horn. And... Uh, I don't know how many people that I hear, just like our guest, uh, Mr. Hoffman, we had, mm-hmm. uh, Andrew Hoffman. Yep. You know, inspired by Mr. White here. Indeed. To do a work who's also having a tremendous impact himself. Mm-hmm. And I think the gentleman sitting next to me, too, is part of that as well, too. Pyro? And Pyro. <laughs> yeah, that's who I meant. Um, your podcast version of Nowhere to Run uh, is also carried on the Revelations Radio Network, as is our show. Is also another popular venue for your work, as well as your co-hosting duties on the Frank and Chris podcast show. And and how are things? Any updates on those shows, or any kind of feel on their popularity, or the extent of reach of those shows? Well, um, the Frank and Chris show is always exciting. It's something we do on a regular basis every Wednesday, and it's a live uh, show, so it's an opportunity to just go through the news it keeps me updated with what's going on in the world and i really like uh the community feel over there because it's like a live chat room and stuff so a lot of those people just become really good family i i I look at that uh and it is growing uh we you know it's growing every week it's getting bigger and bigger but we don't uh honestly i think frank and i just kind of do it out of just habit at this point but we and we we really do love like all the people that come there so it's just Mm -hmm. a just a fun thing to do but we're also uh, getting a chance to sort of, in the context of figuring out what's going on in the news, sort of bouncing off I- ideas about what it could mean, and we're both pretty jaded about, like, you know, yeah, right. the news That's an media. understatement. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So, so right. But then you do your own show as well, correct? Yeah, Nowhere to Run is, is kind of just a, a place to muse about things and whatnot. It's kind of fallen to the wayside a little bit lately, which which is to my chagrin. I've been thinking a lot lately about what I wanted to do, and your format has really intrigued me with the interviews, and I've been thinking about what I want to interview. If I could interview anybody in the world, who would it be? And So I've been really thinking a lot about that. I feel pressed right now to really try to interview missionaries and things like that, so I'm right. not, I'm still trying to figure out exactly how it's all going to look and stuff. But. All right. Well, I can't wait to find out about it. I, I find it ironic 
that uh, your work uh, impacts people at a level and you know in the numbers that totally dwarf some of these very popular mega church pastors that we hear uh, on television and other kind of things like this actually the number of people you reach and so there's a shift uh, and any traditional type pastors who are listening to our show here now on the radio if you're wondering where the church is going in the next generation they're all watching videos on Chris White's channel <laughs> well I, I would suggest that they just sort of watch what people like Chris White are doing what uh, Mr. Bionic next to me are doing and you're going to find out what the church is doing in the next generation uh, your Christian documentaries and presentations on DVD are another venue of, of what you do and they've been spread around the world one person at a time. And I know it's a very personal thing and how you've in, empowered people to encourage them to hand them out one person at a time to people or just give them out for free for different places. And Mr. Hoffman, if I understand, he's got a production of you all that's going actually in his book. Is that right? Or? Yeah, well, it's really more Chris's. I didn't I didn't do okay. anything except maybe add some opinion and blah, blah, blah. He did all the heavy work. Oh, no. No, that was a really big part of uh, when I moved in, uh, when when we uh, started being roommates, that was where DVD track really took off with the Harvest Project and everything. Uh, And that really couldn't have been done without without you, Mike. I mean, that was all... uh, Oh, thank you. (laughs) But... But the but lately has it really has changed. I just updated it. It's really a, one of my favorite things to think about lately. And I just updated. I put uh, a new Spanish track uh, and updated the track for Mormons, Muslims, Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, just got a, one up there today for homosexuals and also a one for discipleship for new Christians. I've been working really hard on those and and I've been really just scouring the internet looking looking for great ways to witness to them and put it in packages that are about no right. less than an hour that people can burn them on DVD mm-hmm. and and it it's a great way to help you know somebody that you you know out there that might be falling into those categories or just the regular uh, gospel DVD track which everybody can get. Mm-hmm. In fact, I usually put that one at the end of most of them. So. Yeah, and your focus is on the simple gospel message mm-hmm. in a way that somehow has been blessed because it's resonating with people. In it, fact, I'd like I'd actually like to everybody who's listening to this right now who's in front of their computer go to dvdtract.com and just download that one, the the DVD tract there, and put it on a DVD uh, on your computer and start burning it and handing it out to people. Mm-hmm. Just do that right now. <laughs> we'll we'll wait. We'll yeah, wait. put you, put your hand on the computer. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> well, I, like I say, this is sort of the wave of the future. Uh, what you're doing now in this, and I'm glad to hear that you're reaching out to so many different types of people, different languages and persuasions and things like this. In fact, I would say Acorn might even be willing to distribute these. You've had such a broad Well, we've been in reach. discussions with them. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Now, focusing on our topic tonight, uh, one of your media outlets that I have recently enjoyed is your 2012deception.net website. That's 2012deception.net. And the materials you have listed there, which is what we're going to be discussing, you know, I should also mention that this subject is going to be presented by you at the upcoming Last Days 2010 conference, which is just outside Nashville on April 23rd and 24th. And if you can go to last-days.net, uh, you can find out how to register for that. But to begin our discussions today, can you tell us why you thought this issue about this 2012 uh, event was an issue that was worthy of your very much in demand attention. Um, well, there I guess a two-part 
answer to that. The first is that it is um, out of control, you know, something that a lot of people are believing. And I knew firsthand the kind of seduction that it that it presented, having it being probably one of the first things that I was deceived in back in like 1999 when I was first trying, you know, figuring out that the world wasn't as I thought it was. Mm-hmm. Two, 2012 was something that what I I believed back then, and um, so I knew where people are coming from and why they, they were believing it. I wasn't thinking that they were just, you know, silly for believing it or anything. But as I began to learn more about it and sort of figure out how how it was happening, how the lies were being told and sort of back engineering them as best as I could, it seemed to have pretty nefarious implications, at least if the theory held true. So, and at the very least, uh, it was important to debunk because there were many, many people out there that were very scared uh, that the world was going to end in 2012, uh, and they had just really erroneous reasons for believing it. So, that, if for no other reason, it's just to s- sort of debunk it, and that you know people wouldn't be just freaked out. And and and, but I think the other part is that <clears throat> there does seem to be a, an agenda behind it. Mm-hmm. So this was a top drawer issue that you could see was going to capture the public's imagination and play a big role in our culture. Therefore, it really justified a considerable effort on your behalf to step forward and address it. Sure. And if nothing else, uh, as we go through this, you know, all this stuff tonight, um, you know, I don't think it's necessary for everyone that that then if this agenda held holds true that everybody believes all the tenets about 2012, but sort of just that they have sort of a background noise thing going on that something I've heard something might be going on in 2012. They only really need to be winged by it, I guess, Mm -hmm. really. Right. Uh, But yeah. Well, uh, just one other uh, last note again to these pastors and others who are listening and trying to find out what's going on, which we certainly welcome you to be here. Uh, This is another case in point where uh, Brother Chris here is actually looking and being aware, circumspect, the Bible says, of what is going on in the world around him today. And looking at what people are talking about, what's on TV, what is the subject matter, and then seeing what does he as a Christian have to say about it. What does the Bible have to say? What does Christ have to say about these issues? And we find many in our churches are are trying to respond to the cultural issues of the 1950s when they need to be aware about these things in in educating themselves with shows like this or the work that uh, Brother Chris does is the first step. And then to be able to formulate a response based upon what God's Word says about it. So I I would again encourage our, our, our people who are involved in ministry out there to see this as an example of the kind of things they need to be aware of and to respond to. Now, could you please explain for our listeners who are only partially aware of this topic uh, a general overview of what some expect to happen on December 21st, 2012, and why? Okay. Um, there are a lot of things, and that's kind of the thing that about 2012. It's almost like swatting at uh, pseudoscience, you know, one after the other. It's just... It's like everything that's ever been said about pseudoscience has somehow been applied to 2012. But I'll give you the basic rundown. There are there are some that that show up more than more than uh, uh, just more often than others. Uh, people say that the Mayan calendar ends in 2012, and therefore, uh, or rather, that the Mayans were pointing to uh, some event. They hypothesized that the event that the Mayans were pointing to by their calendar ending were things like galactic alignment. Uh, this means different pe- things to different people depending on who is is presenting the idea. Uh, but galactic alignment, the Earth aligning with galactic center, 
uh, is one one theory. Another is planetary alignment. There are theories that solar flares are predicted or were known to occur on certain uh, certain cycles that would cause uh, either cataclysm or a lot of people believe that instead of cataclysm or in addition to cataclysm, there is and what they call an enlightenment, which is a, mm-hmm. a spiritual change. So that's a big part of it. Most people have some some belief that a, a new evolution of some form, not well defined in many people's minds or sometimes really defined in people's minds, is going to happen. In addition to things like the return of a planet uh, has many different names. Sometimes it's referring to the same thing like Planet X and mm-hmm. Nibiru or sometimes the same thing, sometimes not. Um, there are uh, all kinds of theories about pole shifts, whether they be magnetic or physical pole shifts. There is a theory just about for anything uh, that's applied to 2012. And so it's the more you get into it, the more people really do have, if you ask a person that really believes in 2012 what's going to happen, they're going to give you a different story than the mm-hmm. next person you ask because there's so much pseudoscience. And uh, so it's the good thing about it is that it is easy to explain. Mm-hmm. So the first thing is is that people generally have been told that something big is expected to happen around that date. Uh, it could change the world. It could change them. It could change society. Uh, it could be physical changes. It could be spiritual changes. It could have negative consequences. It could have positive consequences. So that's sort of the, the general <laughs> scope, basically. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty broad. Okay, and then people make of it what they want from it. But but the only thing that's common is that it's important. Uh, a lot of the discussion concerning the 2012 issue centers on the climax of the Mayan long calendar. Can you briefly explain to us what it is and de- debunk some misunderstandings about it? Uh, sure. Um, the Mayan calendar is kind of the central the central place that a lot of these theories springboard from. And they essentially have this part right, more or less, and that is that the Mayans had... Uh, several calendars, but one of which was called the Long Count Calendar, and it uh, apparent and apparently did end on December 21st, 2012. Some people say December 23rd, but it's really irrelevant, I guess. Um, I mean, for our purposes anyway. And the the issue is that they appear appeared to do this. Uh, they didn't explain in their writings. It's a really important part to, to understand is that they never did explain why they ended their calendar that, but it could be easily presumed that because of the nature of the calendar, each day was not repeated as such. So there wouldn't be, as we have sort of a cycle of, you know, November 12th, 1913 and November 12th, 1914, they would have to have a, that would just keep on going. So, in order to really refer to things in the distant past or the distant future, which was necessary for either, um, you know, storytelling about the beginning of their civilization or perhaps talking about what would happen in the distant future. If you if you they were to do any of those things, have any of those conversations, they required another calendar to refer to. And that's also why they set the calendar in their distant past so that they could use it for that purpose. At least that's my understanding of it. Um, and that, and that's why the long count calendar ends at a certain time because it basically had to. It had to be distant, but it also had to end. It just couldn't be an, an indefinite calendar. It would just, you know, it would be mm-hmm. a pretty big, big calendar. So, <laughs> um, anyway, that's, um, 
that's the main reason that it ends on December 21st. The rest of the stuff is people trying to say that the Mayans knew X because they ended it on that date. And it's really interesting because the most scholarly among them, the ones that, you know, claim to be, you know, all the, we don't get involved in these silly things. We're the, we're the, you know, scientific 2012 guys. Those guys, uh, are the ones that are just the most, uh, you know, the, the, the funniest to, to watch their theories about this because they, they rely on absolutely erroneous stuff, but said very scientifically. It's like, uh, I heard, um, uh, I heard Chuck Missler say one time, beware the man with the colored slides. <laughs> and that's basically what this is. You know, it's blinding people with a good presentation that sounds very scientific. Um, and that's, that's about it. Hmm. Wow. So, so they, uh, pe- people have a lot of presumptions about the Mayans, about what they may have known that the Mayans themselves didn't necessarily say. Right. They knew. <clears throat> okay. So, so in other words, let's say the power went out in your, uh, apartment and it went out at 11.15 and it's blanking at 11.15, somebody could come in and say, oh, he knew something very mysterious was happening at 11.15. <laughs> and we have the evidence, look, right right here, we've got evidence of it. He has some hidden knowledge. You know, <laughs> right. we, we see that happening all the time today. Um, <clears throat> can and will the alignment of heavenly bodies somehow have physical effects here on planet Earth at that time? Um well, it depends on which alignments are being talked about. There, there is a, the primary one that's referred to is the 26,000 year precession of the equinox. Uh, this is, for the most part, the one that people often refer to when they say that the Earth is going to align with galactic center. And they say that it does this every 26,000 years. Um, and what, what is happening is actually, um, the precession is kind of like a gyroscope. It's just the Earth kind of wobbling on, ex- on its axis. The Earth turns around on its axis, and it, that axis actually kind of rotates in sort of a, a, a gyroscope manner. And because of that, the stars on the horizon look differently from the Earth's perspective I- I- over these 26,000 years. So there would be, if you look at it, from the Earth's horizon, they were looking at a sunrise, you would actually, over the course of 26,000 years, just see sort of more stars and then less stars and more stars and less stars, kind of on a wave motion. And basically that's it. It, it looks like the Earth is kind of getting in line with the center of the Milky Way galaxy, which of course you couldn't, you know, say, okay, now it's exactly right in the center now, but nevertheless, this is, to answer the question, uh, that event can't have any, um, physical, you know, let's just assume that if the Earth did actually line up there with the center of the Milky Way galaxy, that some great gravitational force or energy from, you know, whatever caused it, uh, caused some effect, then then it still couldn't have anything to do with this event because, you know, from the moon's perspective, nothing would be different than the last 26, you know, 26 series of 26,000 mm-hmm. years. Nothing, nothing's any different. It's not any more in line with the Milky Way galaxy. It's just if you were sitting on the Earth, it would kind of sort of appear that way. And even the people that, um, you know, talk of this and try to sell it, those that, that do have more uh, advanced kind of um, followers, will say that it, even even that event, the one that only mm-hmm. looks like it's lining, that kind of happens in the era of 2012. I mean, it, it happens... On 50 years on either side of that event is basically more appropriate because nothing's going to be any different than it, than let's say this year, 2010 or 2009, uh, last year, 
or 2012 or 2013. There's no perceptible change. It's too slow to have any kind of difference there. Now, there is another sort of alignment uh, where there's two other types of alignment. One that potentially, I mean, potentially could have. There's no evidence to suggest that it could. Uh, that's, but, but it would be when the Earth actually let's say the whole solar system is traveling around the center of the galaxy and about 250 million years or so it's called the you know galactic mm-hmm. year and as it goes around the the center of the galaxy the solar system it goes up and down it sort of does this motion where it goes towards the bottom of the of this circle and kind of moves back up to the top and it sort of does an up and down motion over the course of 30 million years or so 33 million years and so some people say that when the solar system gets right on the flat plane of the middle of the galaxy. Now, that's that what they say. That's what the real thing is about. But the problem with that is, you know, besides the fact that there's no evidence to suggest that it is, uh, and nobody really even provides any anyway, but the big part is, is that we're moving away from it. We crossed it three million years ago, and we won't be due to cross it for another 30 million years. So we're further away from that point, even when the Mayans calendar, you know, when they, when they chiseled mm-hmm. the calendar. So if, even if there was something that could happen from that, uh, then it is, it, it, it's not going to happen. It's a moot point. But I would say that nothing would happen with that. There's no reason to believe it would. Anyway, and there's plenty of good on my website, 2012deception.net, the2012deception.net. There's a lot of peer-reviewed papers available there to see uh, those numbers, uh, that we are, in fact, moving away from it and that um, and all those kinds of things. So, Okay, so if I understand correctly, for all these different alignments of different types in outer space that have been talked about, None of them are going to create any kind of known forces on the Earth that would cause any kind of perceptible changes in the way we notice Earth or how we live, correct? Um, right. I mean, they they can't. I mean, most of right. the things that they're talking about are just from the Earth's perspective. There there wasn't there isn't any extra gravity or any kind of there. I mean. There are theories out there that would have an effect if they were true. Like, you know, they say stuff about all kinds of random things that if it was true, yeah, that would have an effect. But, hmm. um, but, but no. We're back at Future Quake with Dr. Future. And my Tom Bionic is here with his sort of head swimmingly, like, there's struggling a lot, for a middle name. There's a whole lot of stuff attached to that 2012, but none of it is. It's all gobbledygook, Bionic. Hmm. It's just like, what? You know, all these people talking about, well, here comes, there's this planet that's hidden by the sun. Here it comes. You know, I would what sure hope that this may be arrogant of me and us, but I would hope that we have a little bit higher standard on Future Quake at what we buy. Even though we have an open forum for people to have some pretty different views of things. Sure, I sure hope so. <clears throat> that are edgy for people to consider, mm-hmm. that hopefully we have the standard at least a little bit higher than that mm-hmm. and encourage other people to do the same. Yeah. I but you're, so. you're going to hear a whole lot more about uh, some of these kind of things the rest of the week. But right now, Merv can tell you how to contact us at Future Quake. Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week 
during the radio broadcast. Okay, we got to go. Speaking of planet Nabooru, hide behind the <laughs> That's sun. That's right. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, come back next uh, tomorrow for the next segment. Until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Bye. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake, quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I'm Dr. Future. And Tom, magnetic pole shift, question mark, bionic. Mm, I like punctuation, like question marks in your middle yeah, name. I'll see if I can get a semicolon in there at some That'd point. be great, yeah, or a dash. Ladies and gentlemen, it's great to be back with you uh, for our second installment our, of our interview this week with Chris White, who is the host of the Nowhere to Run radio show, a host of other locations and YouTube and elsewhere online. Uh, but particularly the 2012 Deception website at uh, 2012deception.net. Uh, 2012deception.net, you really need to check this out. He has put together the answers that you need for your family, coworkers, other people. They're all going to bring up this topic sometime, and you need to have the answers from a yep. Christian worldview. You just go right over there and debunk mm-hmm. everything they say. You'll find out a little bit about the gospel, too. Mm-hmm. So here is Chris White resuming our conversation, and we'll be right back to wrap it up here at Future Quake. Another thing you hear a lot about on cable TV and different things is this idea of a pole shift. Uh, what does science say are the odds of some kind of sudden, instantaneous magnetic pole shift and what type of aftermath is really realistic during a pole shift experience versus what has been speculated about in the media? Well, um, when regards to magnetic pole shifts, because they will often say there's two types, but magnetic pole shifts is one that I recently got to do a little extra work on um, in, a, in a movie that I was making called Greg Braden Debunked. And this is a big part of his theory because he... Now, he wasn't the older brother in the, par- in the Brady Bunch, right? No. The way we became the Braden Bunch. I just want to make sure. I'm sorry. We'll go, uh, ask, we'll go ask Alice. So uh, no, he wasn't as far as I know, but he uh, he uh, does really think a lot of the pole shift. And one of the things that he would say, and it, it, you may or may not be aware that the Earth does have um, these magnetic reversals over, you know, it's been all the geologic history of Earth. Earth, it can see these really pretty rapid reversals in terms of geological time. And, um, and, and they seem to be basically random. Um, you'll have. But the but the issue is here that um, much like the future quake show is random or at least Tom in content. Commentary. Mm-hmm. I mean, not about the show. Okay, so they just can suddenly just happen. Yes, but but the issue is is that and uh, if let's say you can tell when they start their decline, um, uh, and basically let's just assume that we because based on where we are as far as our magnetic field strength right now. Uh, if we started a complete freefall, the, the largest, the m- most rapid freefall in the history of magnetic field, field reversals, if we started that today, it would still be, uh, some people say 3000 AD, some people, mo- most of them say about 4000 AD before it, that would happen, before we would hit, uh, as what Greg Braden calls zero point. And all that to say that a freefall, in this case, uh, because these things take um, several thousand years to complete a freefall, uh, and so the, it's extremely wrong to say that this is expected in 2012. For the first part, that pole shifts are 
basically random. We don't know what they, why, why they're changing. And secondly, that if they did change, it would be way, you know, way long, uh, not 2012, December 21st, 2012. So, and the other issue is that, you know, a lot of people would try to, Greg Braden certainly does, tries to tie all kinds of wackiness to when these, uh, when these pole reversals happen. But, um, they aren't tied to any noticeable effect. Uh, for instance, a lot of people try to tie all kinds of stuff to, to diff- different things, like they try to tie extinction events to, well, they don't know what, they call it sometimes nemesis, and it's really erroneous, and I can get into all that, but it's really, mm-hmm. um, but there is nothing to really connect to this. And all that to say that pole shifts, magnetic pole shifts are very well understood for the most part, except for we don't know exactly what's causing them, but we have observed them. We know that the, the magnetic field doesn't disappear. It just becomes sort of uh, different as it changes. The biggest effect of which, which is like in 4000 AD, they are going to have, you know, their compasses are going to point the, a different direction. It really, that's the big thing. So a lot of people, when they say the pole shift thing, it's kind of, again, in the pseudoscientific context. When I first heard the pole shift thing and believed it, uh, it sounds stupid now, but I, I really, I, I, I thought it had something, somehow that was going to be connected to, you know, this whatever spiritual mm-hmm. shift or, or thing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I remember saying to people, it's like, I'm not sure if it's like a physical shift because that was, or like a magnetic shift. I think it may be both. You know, I really was that kind of confused about it because I had been given all this random information. Uh, and, but, and it worked in my head that, well, maybe it's both and maybe that's where the cataclysms Plus mm-hmm. the sort of cool spiritual whatever thing that's going to happen. So, so you're saying our imagination can fill in the blanks a lot of times, for lack <laughs> yeah. of hard data, <laughs> and that is human nature. Ding ding ding. And that's what's going on in mass all over the place. Okay, um, tell us more about this possible reality of the planet X that you mentioned, or Nibiru, I believe. What's the what's the real story on what they know about something possibility of it being out there? Um, well, I would say, uh, the, what they use to prove, that is what they say, we know Planet X is here because of this, their data to prove it is totally, I mean, it, it's like Michael Heiser debunked it all with SitchinIsWrong.com. I mean, it's, it's showing that Sitchin didn't know what he was talking about and that he was not even, he wasn't even that good at reading Hebrew, which he was supposed to know, uh, let alone, you know, Akkadian or Sumerian. Uh, and so SitchinIsWrong.com pretty much took care of all Sitchin's, quote, evidence that Nibiru was coming back on a 3,600-year 3, orbit. Basically, they say that a planet was on this odd orbit that actually only came into our local so, localized solar system every 3,600 years. But if this was the case... Even if it was supposed to be here in 2012, it would be one of the brightest objects in the sky. Even amateur astronomers would be able to see it with the with the naked eye at this point. Yeah, right um, now, right now they could see it if it right. was three and a half years out, two and a half years out. Right, definitely, okay. it would be huge. And and they, some people say, oh, it's behind the sun and all these kinds of things. But if that were true, then it would the sl- the sun is kind of where it slings it out to make this crazy 3,600 year orbit using the sun's gravity. So um, it would be behind the sun for an extremely short period of time, and that's not right. really a good excuse there. Uh, the, so in other know, words, it had to play peekaboo with Earth. 
and always stay on the exact opposite side of the sun as Earth rotates around the sun. Right. And let, let me say something here, too. People always connect this to, like, um, uh, wormwood in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and they try. And look, there's two things I want to say about this. First, the wormwood thing. Um, you know, if you read the wormwood passage, it's basically saying, okay, a, a, an angel is, is you know, mm-hmm. uh, falls to the sea and. Um, the waters become bitter and people die because of the waters being bitter. Basically, that's the effect that the Bible is noting, you know, the, mm-hmm. this thing made the waters bitter. If a planet hit our planet, you know, the Bible commentary wouldn't be like, that mm-hmm. planet sure did make the waters bitter, you know, it's yeah. like. <laughs> that, that'd, be the, that'd be the last thing they worried about was bitter water, a bit like bitter beer face I used to have on commercials on TV. That'd yeah. be the last thing. Be, I tell you, if people w- would like to hear some other ideas on Wormwood, they need to come to the Last Days Conference. The Last Conference. Days Conference. Because uh, I'm going to Okay, thank you. Because uh, <laughs> I'll be talking about that as far as some alternative ideas on that. So I'm glad be you. Second best speaker there. <laughs> <It's> there? <laughs> Thanks. And, uh, uh, but yeah, the uh, but the, the also in the Wormwood thing, you can see in, in the uh, I think it's the trumpet or bowl right before that. Um, that, what is it? A trump? Anyway, the. Yeah, the um, trumpets at that time. Yeah. Okay. The one right before that, it says something like a huge mountain, uh, all right. flame is thrown into the sea and right. it, it destroys the ships and kills, you know, that's the third right. of the animal life. So that's something more like a comet, more like a asteroid or even, you know, a planet, let's say, but probably not. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we were going to talk about planets or comets or whatever, that would be a better candidate. I think it's just the fact that something is called, you know, has a name. Oh, Wormwood. That's probably Nibiru. You know, it's they tie it Right. So, you know, speaking of this, I see you're running the risk of not getting invited on the Coast to Coast show. <laughs> because you're debunking most of the guests that have been on that show and have sold a number of books by pushing all of these things without any kind of really uh, structured critique. Of their findings, I appear. So, you, structured critique is being very kind. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you would be the, the definite wet blanket for well, most that's of this. the reason that all this stuff works in the context of this conspiracy world that we travel in. There's no checks and balances. Anybody can say anything, and because it's all the real world, if you will, is mm-hmm. like not not joining in on any of this stuff. There's like and and if they did, nobody would believe them anyway. It's like this free for all, you know, where anybody can say anything. And if they do it well enough, mm-hmm. then hey, you know, sell your book. Right. But the big well, and speak confidently. You can get a long way in this world, at least in certain fields. You you can't bluff always. You know, medicine working in a, uh, a hospital or or engineering or law or some things. <laughs> but but you know, some of these things, if you speak with confidence, you can go a long way. And, uh, you know, there needs to be a critique. But the scary thing is, like you say, there's there, there's no critique in that particular field, but it is crossed over into the mainstream public uh, where they hear just enough to get sort of an angst about it. They see it on cable TV. They see this as a recurring storyline. And so they get even maybe subconsciously some kind of fear and concern, and they can't even put their finger on it. They haven't taken enough time to really scrub it out. Maybe you need to do like a institute Called like Doctor Futures Institute of Conspiratronics. Conspiratronics. <laughs> well, you know, I, on this particular issue, I don't know how much it would uh, go after 2013. <laughs> you know, I don't know how much the need would still be yeah. there. Uh, are there any other physical effects that others have hypothesized that might occur in addition to these few examples that we talked about? Um, physical effects. There are. There are the primary one um, as far as 
geophysical sort of things, there is an idea of solar flares. That's a really big one that uh, they say that we're on this big solar flare cycle and that we're to expect this great solar flare in 2012 that the movie actually made a big deal about and said that the solar flare was going to cause the core, the mantle and to melt and the crust was going to shift. And I hate when that things. happens. I know. It's like yeah. the only problem well, is the mantle is already melted. So we can check that one off. <laughs> it's just sort of molten. Well, um, so that's the main thing. But, you know, the, the thing about that is that the sun cycles are always on this 11 year cycle. There's no reason to expect one to be greater than the next. And even if the biggest solar flare ever, you know, happened, then it would just take out like our electronics. I mean, that's it. You know, it's not going to melt the, the, the earth. And, and so, I mean, technically, yeah. I mean, okay. I suppose there, there could be some unknown thing, but to suggest that the Mayans knew about that or that, even any scientist can possibly guess that is it's just not I mean, it's just crazy to think that the Mayans were like, you know, I can tell what the sun's going to do here pretty soon. It's going to be mm-hmm. it's going to be awful. Well, maybe they foresaw a life without the future quake radio show or nowhere to run. Yeah. And they realized that that would forever change man's <laughs> destiny. It sounds like I have a working theory that I could develop <laughs> yeah. from here. Maybe a career is launched on less. Right. Mean. <laughs> um. Switching gears here, um, what are the various themes that are now prevalent today regarding the, the spiritual enlightenment effects of this event? Well, the there are pretty much a lot of themes about it, but um, basically the kind of a really big part of this is, in, in fact, it's the biggest part of this is that and this is why I said earlier that all this pseudoscience stuff that's not true, I mean, the planets really aren't aligning, uh, you know, even though they say that they are, and all the, all this sort of pseudoscience st- stuff that needs to be debunked doesn't need to be believed by people. They just kind of have to have it somewhere in the back of their mind. Um, and a consistent, almost, I mean, I would say it's got to be in the 80 percentile of people that are talking about this stuff will say something like, you know, all these dumb people, they think that 2012 is going to be about catastrophes and whatever. But really, you know, I know that it's about some great spiritual enlightenment. And the reason that they have that sort of knee-jerk reaction, and everybody sort of says it, it's like zombie land. He's like, I think 2012 will be about a spiritual enlightenment because it's always been said in context with the 2012 from day one. Uh, so people have this reaction to it because they've just been trained to react that way. And my my theory that I'll present at the conference is, is why, or a potential reason why that uh, why that program has been implanted into us. Wow. Wow. Last-days.net. Last-days.net. <laughs> <laughs> so um, just to make sure I understand, though, there, there are a, a range of responses that have been promoted that will happen. Um, there are could be widespread, um, you know, like the whole Earth could have this deeper view of who they are and the relevance or a partial group of people who are ready can get it, mm-hmm. or there could actually be negative consequences as well, right? Right. Well, they there are a few that offer scientific reasons for this, and um, I'll, I'll go ahead and say what their what their views are. One is that they're going to pass. We're as a solar system going to pass through a nebula, 
and on her way to the Pleiades system, and this, well, oh. they call they call it a photon belt. Uh, they say it's this belt that's made up of photons, that, and then they go into all this detail about how light can change, you know, DNA and, you know, cite some scientific thing or whatever. And, of course, you know, none of that's true or whatever, but it doesn't really matter. They, and we're not even going into the, uh, we're not even going to the Pleiades cluster that was, like, debunked in the, like, 19, you know, hundreds or something like that. But, um Nevertheless, it wasn't like, it was like 1950 or something like that. But, um, so they say that we're going to pass through this photon belt and the light, the lights in this photon belt are going to change our, the structure of our DNA. We're going to have this evolution. Uh, and there's some people that say by nature of us going to, on this galactic center point that we're not going to be at, that it's going to open up this kind of cleansing wave of change and evolution. The whole concept is basically that we're all this bad stuff in the world and all this stuff. We're we're kind of going through a time of rebirth, a, a renewal, a chance to get it right again, and you know all this stuff. But the bad part is, is that you know sometimes uh, some people aren't going to be ready for this change because they're stuck in this sort of lower vibrational sort of thing. So a lot of times they, it, it's really just defining what they mean by lower vibrational and. And a lot of times that has to do with pointing to the wars and the destruction and, and, and kind of throwing in that, well, we know that the wars and the destruction are kind of all caused by the Christians and the Jews right. and the Muslims. And so they, they, they paint this picture of the world's problems being caused by Judeo-Christian religion, specific Christianity, and they do that um, in a number of different ways, uh, citing things like zeitgeist and whatever. If you had um, heard our show with Michael Bajan talking about his book, um, basically, he puts the finger. You know, he's one of the top-selling authors in the world right now, behind the Da Vinci Code books and things the like this. Of monotheism. But basically, the three monotheistic religions were the cause of all the world's problems, and he was recommending that we take on the old pagan religions uh, of local, you know, uh, regional gods and the kind of gods like they had in Canaan and things like that as a solution. And here is a highly educated, uh, you know, a seminary trained. Uh, uh, gentleman, you know, from England or New Zealand, excuse me, who actually right. is making these recommendations. So, well, he got his he got his seminary trained. His I think his his uh, graduate degree was in mysticism. <laughs> yeah, well, you know that's what seminaries are for. Mysticism, yeah, oh, right. teach, yeah. teach mysticism. So I didn't mean to interrupt you there, you know, but let me let me say on that point because. Uh, Okay, people get to that place a lot of different ways. They don't have to get to it by the 2012-like thing. But it is important, uh, in, in my opinion, for the Antichrist's uh, system to rise to really paint the world's problems as a, as a result of Judeo-Christian religions. And I think that it's done by essentially controlling the figureheads of those religions. Yeah, we'll uh, talk to that. I don't want to steal our thunder. We're going to talk a little bit more of that in part two. So if you could hang in there, I want to talk more about that. But could you talk a little bit about one example for us? Uh, you mentioned a gentleman, David Wilcock, who brings this up a lot. Can you ex give us a, uh, him as an example of why he is important to this issue and his type of teaching in this vein? Sure. Um, well, David Wilcock uh, was one of the first people out there on the Internet that, were, that was bringing this uh, to the forefront. And this was back. Actually, this was his his website was what deceived me back in '99. It was called uh, Ascension 2000, and uh, that was because this enlightenment was supposed to happen in 2000. Now, 
he's a guy that believes himself to be the reincarnation of Edgar Casey, and he channels. Uh, and much Edgar like, Casey was the reincarnation of somebody else, right? Uh, I, I yeah, I would think so because he had such a focus on reincarnation in his he was teaching. A, he was I'm supposed sure. to be a priest in ancient Egypt, if I remember correctly. Oh uh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that's like always like a, a pretty standard one that 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 the entities are telling. It's like, oh, you were you were a priest in some fancy building. You mm-hmm. were important, but uh, yeah, they never say I was a serf, do they? Yeah, <laughs> nobody I, ever gets serf. I remember Jack Handy said one time. He says, in a former life, I must have been a great and powerful king. Because I like people to do whatever I say. <laughs> right. So but I think that's a common thing. It's really hard for people to disbelieve something when it believing it gives them an opportunity to be like awesome in their head. You know, like mm-hmm. ooh yeah, I could, I could. Yeah, I've always thought I was kind of kingly, but uh, anyway, so. <laughs> So he he channels uh, beings that he refers to as Egyptian gods. Again, you know, all mm-hmm. these sort of epic uh, names of Ra and Seth that he's big buddies with. And they were the ones that were giving a lot of this channeled information about 2012. Or more about the ascension, the, all the different kind of aspects of why we were going to need this evolution and why it was important and all these things. So he was a pioneer in that, um, like uh, and at the forefront, there were other people around uh, that time, but he was definitely a, and still is uh, somebody that people really look up to. He's also a person that I really, really uh, just it's just really hard to watch him do what he does, because he not only presents this stuff in a way of kind of like giving people what they may. There are a lot of times people that have just now figured out that the world really isn't what they thought it was. But he's giving just a little bit of that to keep him going, feeding them with, you know, real facts about things. But then it's so the underlying uh, aspects of it are unbelievably false and anti-Christian. They use lies to really get people angry at Christianity. In addition, he says his a lot of his main point is to get people into taking he doesn't really say this outright just that it's really really helpful and it's really great for your pineal gland and you're just going to open up your third eye and to take drugs like um uh ayahuasca mm-hmm. and, and other kinds of drugs like that he's you can go from just figured out to two, about 2012 to wanting to take uh DMT and channel uh ancient egyptian gods in 30 minutes with this guy. And same thing with a lot of the, the ones that I, that I talk about, which uh, Michael Tassarian is very similar to that. He goes directly from uh, you just woke up to the New World Order to, hey, let's go get into the occult big time. Hmm. Okay. Uh, anything else unique about this gentleman and what he teaches? Uh, I, I think you said before he was one of the first to show up and to do the linkage of 2012. Anything else unique about his teaching? Um. That's pretty much it, except for the fact that he does um, he does help to tie in. Like his presentations are very uh, helpful in in showing people that the new world order, this big bad you know monster that is now oppressing all of us, is really is really kind of Christian in nature. If and so he's kind of helping to paint that picture along with saying that this is the old system that must go. Okay, so while he's offering some kind of new, very vague uh, kind of alternative, an equal part of his goal is to tear down the existing structure, how we understand who God is and the cosmos and like anything Kim beyond and, ourselves. Sounds like him and Bajan should have lunch together or something. <laughs> right. Big party. Okay, so so that's, that's a common theme in uh, uh, how he puts all his story together. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
in general across these different types of teachers are are communicating with external spirits and getting this message about 2012 or what's coming is that a common thing across the board between these teachers yeah they're they're all they're all about that the the interesting thing you take somebody like uh, David Icke or Jordan Maxwell, two of arguably the biggest names in, you know, the conspiracy world, both of which had almost identical experiences, uh, to get them started in, in preaching this extremely anti-Christ, uh, thing to the many millions of people that they have. Uh, the, they were, that they, in the case of Jordan Maxwell, he was in his room, even as a young ch- child, was plagued by all, all kinds of different bad things he described it at one point as just very evil evil emanating evil entities in his room and things like that he had these very weird experiences with uh, an individual who took him to his house summoned ufos uh and told him that he was going to be you know really really special and that he was you know had a connection with these aliens he gave him a book that really got him started later on uh jordan maxwell uh had this uh, alien sort of experience and it came into his room and everything and he was really freaked out and he essentially made a deal with them drove back out to where that they were and and sat on the back of this car and said I will do whatever you want I will be your emissary you can speak through me just don't uh scare me in my bedroom anymore he makes a deal mm. that that he says all this in the in the you know a great way because mm-hmm. he believes you know he's he's a, a pleiadian you know king or something so he so so basically, he has this confirmed, much like David Icke, I'll mention really briefly, uh, he, uh, he, he then has a synchronistic thing where he goes and talks to this past life regressionist who then tells him the exact same story that I just told, uh, told you that he hadn't told anybody and he said that she was, she said that she was talking to them and that they agreed to that deal that, uh, they would use him to speak through him to, you know, save the world or whatever. We're back at Future Quake with Dr. Future and Tom. Very interested in what all was said here, just because it's kind of goofy. Bionic. You shouldn't say that about Brother Chris. You should not call his discussions goofy. That's right. Okay. What do you say, Pyro? Huh? Uh, He's talking to our other staff member here. What do you think about uh, his discussions about uh, sort of poo-pooing? Pole shifts and well, all this other kind of stuff. Well, unfortunately, That's he brought make up a, a lot very, of people mad. Well, yeah, but I mean, truth is truth is truth. Yeah, one I guess thing you've that, got that truth thing going. One thing that Chris has said that I really thought was a genius is that all this conspiratronics either leads to the feet of Jesus, uh, if you're honest, or to the feet of Sa- feet of Satan, if you're dishonest. Right. That's really that's what it comes right down to. Right. No other third way. Nope. Just that. Yep. Well, uh, we've now turned the corner in the interview, uh, talking about not just physical changes in the world, which he's shown really the engineering, uh, particular show that's really not practical, but the spiritual changes. Mm-hmm. And we're going to find that, uh, there's more than meets the eye there, that what these teachers are teaching have some other purpose or where they get getting this information. It may not even be what they expect. Yeah. So I think it's going to be fascinating to cover that. Somebody else fascinating is Merv, Mm -hmm. who can tell you how to contact us at FutureQuake. FutureQuake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. 
comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Well, we're going to wrap it up here. Let's get out of here then, I guess, huh? Come back for the third installment with uh, Brother Chris White. Until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake, quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I'm Tom, physically affected by all of this because I just think it's sort of goofy. Bionic. Is it is it the uh, shifting magnetic poles doing it, or the alignment of the planets making you feel that way physically? Or no, what? I just it just I've always felt it. It's one of those things that I never bought for a second. So yeah, I mean I know that there's a lot of people out there, and I'm sorry that I come off sounding sort of overly harsh about it, but mm-hmm. I just it never made any sense to me. Although yeah. I know that a lot of people really are yeah. into it. Well, you know, come come that date and you're flying up off into space, you're going to say, oh, maybe I was wrong about that. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. Well, you know, at the end of the last show, we talked about David Wilcock and about the this, this spiritual enlightenment approach mm-hmm. and spirits that were talking to him. We're going to pick up with David Icke and about what he heard at the beginning of this show. Yeah. And uh, he's very, very popular, including on a lot of these truth, uh, patriot kind of radio things. Mm-hmm. And it's very important for people to know what's motivating him. So no further ado, here's Chris White talking about the 2012 deception, and we'll be back to wrap it up here at Future Quake. David Icke uh, had been followed around what, what he called an extra-dimensional entity. He he knew it was in his room. He knew it was following him and said one day he just just said, okay, that's it. You have to contact me. Uh, I just can't take this anymore. Then uh, through a, a series of synchronistic events, David Icke goes to a psychic who then uh, – who then has this major experience. He has this very physical experience. She talks uh, to these spirits. Basically, uh, that's when he found out uh, that these spirits said he was going to write whatever it was, 22 books by the year something, and he was going to blah, 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 and that he was the son of God, which later he said on national television that he was. And that, uh, and then they later, and he went to Peru, had this, uh, this experience. He was guided to Peru by these things. Took a, took DMT or ayahuasca in DMT, had this major experience, was given all this information about conspiracy stuff, the truth behind all these different things, blah, 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 enlightenment, the whole thing. He comes back, writes all these books, and here we have the birth of this this monster, uh, and, and they're all in, in sheep's clothing, of course. They're talking about, you know, infinite love is the only truth and everything else is an illusion. And... You know, it's just such a facade. They are extremely, both of those men are probably the most virulent anti-Christian men you could ever watch. And the debunkings that I did of Jordan Maxwell or people like that, I could, it was everything I could do to continue to watch it. It was so infuriating how, not only how bad they, they were lying to people, but how how good of a crafted of a lie it was and how absolutely hateful they were towards uh, towards Jesus. So they're not satisfied with it just saying that, uh, Christianity is passe. They're they're actually in this crusade again to try to thoroughly discredit Christianity. They have created an army of people that absolutely loathe Christians. <clears throat> people that people that hate Christianity with all their heart, illogically. People that really believe that Christians are what's wrong with the world, illogically. It's it's amazing what's out there. What's being created under our nose is an army of people that right now 
you know, they don't have the necessary means to, to make, to activate that. But when, whenever, whenever they give them a good reason, let's say there is some, mm-hmm. you know, tied into alien, you know, thing or whatever, if they're slightly validated in that, if aliens say, hey, we're here to stop you guys or whatever, mm-hmm. man, it's, it's on. Well, yeah, or you hear about these militia groups that have been called Christian in the news. You know, and that's another sign that these people are nothing but just violent type people. And since Christians started all the wars throughout the centuries, it reinforces it. So it's a synergistic effect, uh, I would suggest. And you've got government agents and other kind of people, other New World Order types that work in conjunction with these New Age teachers uh, to put all the pieces together, it seems like. Uh, why do these teachers, and they're everywhere, if you listen to Coast to Coast of George Norrie, they're on just about every night, they're all over television, in various places. Why do all these teachers go to all this effort to address this issue and promote it and spend all of their energy and time writing the books and things like this? I, I tend to think it's not because of money. I, I honestly, there's some of them there is, of course. Um, but you look at, if you look around at the, what's happening to these people, a lot of times, you know, they're, they're been deceived into some form of the occult. They have been in contact at this point with some sort of entity that of course is playing with their pride, telling them they're super special, blah, 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 whatever their particular paradigm is, the demon is, is using that. And then it's, it's then drawing, drawing them into this, this thing where they, that you can read their writings. And I, I do in, in the presentation, there's a few of them that I picked out where they're saying to this, like this one young lady is saying, okay, I was asked in an alien channeling uh, uh, session to start this 2012 blog. And then I didn't do it. So I was then really nudged while I was traveling through a vortex in the something Canyon. And then I was like screamed at because I wasn't doing it when I, some other kind of occult thing. And so eventually she says, okay, I'm starting it now. And she's writing this blog. And what does she say? But essentially, you know, some people think that 2012 is going to be about, you know, cataclysms and whatever. But I think, you know, I'm here to tell them it's part of my mission, I think, to tell them that it's not going to be about cataclysms. It's going to be about this great enlightenment. It's something that we really should look forward to, a new rebirth, blah, blah, blah. And then, of course, you can go down the line and read anybody that's in contact with spirits or <laughs> not anybody, but a large number of them are, are talking about this or some variation of this. It would appear that the demons have orders to get this stuff to as many people as possible. Mm-hmm. But now there is, in addition to that, because, you know, one of the gods is Mammon. And in our country, you know, we focus on a lot of our, our shows on all of these other occult gods and Canaanite gods and principalities and powers. But but in our own country, the, the effects of mammon uh, or love of money, uh, you know, personified as a god, as well as Dionysus or Bacchus or whoever you want to say of love of pleasure, are two dominant forms. And there still is a lot of money to be made in, in worshiping uh, great riches in, in doing this kind of thing, right? Just like there were some of the followers in the book of Acts, that made tremendous money being magicians for the same reason. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's no doubt there is money to be made. I mean, 2012, because of its popularity, is just, I mean, it's a lightning rod for traffic. And so, you know, in the 2012 blog I put up, I mean, I didn't hardly do anything to that for a long time. It's just like, you know, people started coming there just because it had 2012 on it. You put a book and slap the words 2012 on it and say any crazy theory you want to about anything, nobody's ever going to check you, nobody's ever going to check your facts. 
Just go ahead and write a book. You're, you're yeah. going to sell at least a few copies. You know, we should try oh, that because think, wait a minute. We have lots ding, of crazy ding, new idea yeah. coming. <laughs> we've had lots of crazy ideas and theories here, and yeah. we still can't get you know hit to the nails. Like so yeah. make a note of that. We'll get Pyro to be working on that. There one. you go. Um, what do you think? You you started hinting at this. What is the real spiritual agenda behind all of this? Um, well, I think it's something that you know. I think that the truth kind of people and which is growing every day as well as the the Christians have sort of a similar view about something and that is that whatever they're going to know the truth in, about the future like a, a, a modern day truther would never believe that they would ever fall into that they would ever willingly join a world government with one person at its, at its leader as its leader because they know too much about the new world order and how it all works and you know who the names are and whatever you could never convince a modern day you know per- conspiracy individual that they're going to believe wholeheartedly in, in in this new world order system never and similarly you would never convince a you know a christian Let's kind of just say a sort of a sort of lackadaisical Christian that that knows enough to know what's supposed to happen in, in regards to end times. You would never you would never convince them that they would be deceived by the Antichrist. And my my what I'm trying to say is that uh, that I think this is setting up a the a situation where they will both of those groups will be deceived and both of them will think that uh the real antichrist isn't the real antichrist but somebody that is worthy uh and different the old system will have seemed to be destroyed and a new thousand years of peace and enlightenment will seem to be in place uh but it won't be uh, but the end is not yet i think is what christ was referring to there but i could be wrong well, we're going to talk in a few minutes about details of how you think this is going to play out, but it seems to me that it is an attempt to entice people to move their spiritual state to the front burner, either uh, because of physical danger that they may be coming up on or massive changes in lifestyle or something else that could put them in jeopardy or in missed opportunity, that this has been the latest idea of those from the, you know, it's funny because uh, the, the the working of Satan for for a long time has been to get man to push spiritual matters to the back burner, and you've heard the old adage that the best lie Satan told is is that he doesn't exist. You know, uh, by default Satan gets all of the uh, atheists and humanists and others because they deny they 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 separate and exchange truth for a lie, as Romans chapter one says. Uh, but in this case, the the option, the alternative is there. Instead of saying, "Don't ignore it. Think about it tomorrow. Don't worry about it." Now they're saying, "Be thinking about embracing it very, very soon, and have your mind on it." But but let's not think about the traditional teaching about God that we know. We've got something new and fresh, and something that will work for you, or you can make it into whatever you want it to be. Uh, is that some something that's sort of a key to this too? Is that they sense something is imminent and they want people to be in the right frame of mind spiritually that, for where they it. want them very soon? That's it, and you, yeah, that's exactly the thing. Is that it, they don't have to believe exactly what is being taught right now to a certain segment of the population about 2012 enlightenment. As I mentioned, it just has to be sort of this vague notion that. Uh, that both of those things, that there, that cataclysms are going to happen and that there's a possibility of some sort of change, some good, some possibility of some 
evolution or some vague notion, the more vague the better, really, because as long as it's there, um, because I think that it gives it more of a broader, uh, a broader opportunity for Satan to cause whatever, you know, whatever he does to make a big show of it, signs and wonders, whatever, people will automatically click and associate that if it happens in and around 2012 they will kind of associate it with it regardless of what it is it could be something totally different than anything that we've talked about today but it will seem like it's connected because of the just Mm -hmm. massive thing and i think that that's what it needs to be in in order for any of this work to work in order for the antichrist to come back and say uh worship me uh and people do it and in order for that to happen there has to be some major paradigm shift globally mm-hmm. and so that's really the challenge and i think this is a preparation for that shift well i th- and i just think it's important to keep in mind that this is counter to a traditional strategy that satan has had he's always wanted to push it off with people and think they've got all the time in the world and now he's decided something's imminent that, that he needs to prepare people for and he doesn't have a perfect view of the future but he's very, very intelligent, and I can see where he sees other signs going on. He can read the Bible like we can, and it sounds like he's wanting to go on the offensive and not just the defensive. Well, if you think about it, it's kind of the de- defensive, too, because he knows that he's not going to get around the birth pangs. It had mm-hmm. been said, when God says something, it's done. Right. And, and he has to deal with the birth pangs one way or the other. This is, and also, of all the other things we've talked about, it's kind of his defensive move against uh, those birth pangs. It's him saying, hey, when they do come, they're going to be a part of, they're going to be because of galactic alignment. They're going to be because mm-hmm. of pole shifts or this and that, the mm-hmm. solar flares. So it's kind of a defensive play on his, right. but I would suggest, too, that it has changed. He is, I think it, Michael Heiser uh, said it best when um, he said that um, 2012 is um, is a part of Satan's eschatology. Right. Uh, plus, when you talk about the birth pangs, he can then pin it on the bad karma of all of these Christians and other believers that are also repressive. And so he can try to make lemonade out of the situation, I think. Exactly. Uh, what do we know? In, in your presentation, you go into great detail about this, and, and it's a, a great summary. What do we know about these beings and their nature, those who are telling these teachers about this subject? What are some traits that have been documented, uh, particularly even in the Bible, about these beings and what their nature is? Sure. Um, I'll go through that here in just a second, and I, I've got it on the, the PowerPoint here, and I'm going to pull that up. Um, but uh, the main thing is, is that uh, the, they do seem to be almost exactly the same in these teachers. I mean, they're what. But the interesting thing is that, of course, the teachers are claiming that in some cases they're Pleiadians or, uh, you know, uh, Syrians or some other kind of thing or just regular dead people. I mean, they got so many different versions of what they're telling the people that they are. But they're obviously the same thing because they are saying the same things to the individuals. So I think that that should be a red flag to most of the people. And this is what I try to tell the people that are in contact with them, that it should be uh, noted that they apparently are lying, not just not just about the science, but they're lying about who they are. And that's um, that's a big deal. Okay, this is actually kind of where I lose people in the on the YouTube when I start uh, bringing up the Bible into this like, oh, you had me up until. Mm -hmm. 
up until the Bible, then I know you're just crazy. But, um, <laughs> uh, okay, so Ephesians 6, of course, we could go into that. Um, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers. First uh, Timothy, uh, it goes on there, of course. First Timothy 4, verse 1 says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter time some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Second uh, Corinthians uh, verse 11, I think, is very appropriate. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. So according to Scripture, and this is all on the uh, PowerPoint, there's a few characteristics of, of demons and, and Satan and his angels, um, that they can talk, that they walk to and fro in the earth and seek rest, that they seek and accept worship, that they have intelligence, they know the time is short, they recognized who the saved are, they testify to the divinity of Jesus Christ, they believe there is one God, they are aware of their destiny, they influence man to lie, which is appropriate here. They have great strength to overpower man. They have been seen by man and are frightening to behold. So that's that's a few of the characteristics, and there's many different scriptures. And those are all based out of scripture that you list in your presentation, which they can also get online. And also, even experiences people have had, Christians encountering these beings, and I guess even secular testimony is consistent with the description in scripture, correct? Yeah, very much so. Okay. So so th- those are the nature of the people who are giving the message. And if any of our listeners here that has stumbled across this show, maybe they did a keyword search on 2012 and listened to us crazy crackpot people here on the show. <laughs> and, <laughs> crazy. <laughs> thanks. Thanks for the dramatization there. Yeah. Uh, and if you have been, if this has been appealing to you, the 2012 teaching and sort of the New Age style approach up until today uh, I, I would just want to point this out to you you might want to go get that presentation and look at that list again because it is a time-honored description that is based upon millennia of exposure to these creatures and even secular people who, some who we've had on our show have described these beings just the same way uh, they they were remiss to give the Bible credit for the original description, but they've described them from their personal experience this way. Now, you alluded to this a little bit, but how did these beings view Christianity based upon the message that they're passing on to their teachers, and how does it fit into the new global spiritual uh, consciousness? Can you give us some specific examples of how they view Christianity and what they expect to do with it? Sure. Uh, well, they're always very subtle. They, of course, hate Christianity, and it's evident by the uh, the just general demeanor of the people that are that are usually saying this stuff. But um, it's always very veiled. Um, I'll give you a quote here from Michael Tassarian. He is a very popular guy. In fact, if you typed in 2012 for a long time, his videos and David Wilcox videos would be the first two there. In my opinion, two of the most dangerous because, as I mentioned, mm. they're two people that immediately get you directly into the occult. And um, if you Google, all, all you had to do was Google 2012. But anyway, this is what he says in one of his quotes. And that end date of 2012 signals major changes positively for consciousness again. As I repeat, before you can have a light or when you have a bright light, the first thing that you notice is the dirt. The survivors are those who can adjust their consciousnesses and mentality to the nonviolent movement of nature 
and synchronize their psyches with the universal meta-theme, having the fates conspire to augur in the cataclysmic external and internal events in order to undermine the rotten edifice that we stand worshipping and bring it crashing down around us. As this photonic light gradually intensifies, most people's consciousnesses are going to rebel, and we... And as we all do when a bright light is shined in our face, we turn away and cover our eyes. We may even strike out at those holding the light towards us. Those few who can face this light and who are prepared for it will be guided, given their healing and able to live their dreams. Now, an interesting part of that, you know, is that um, that they kind of say this sort of thing that they're going to many people are going to rebel against it. And I, I tend to see this justified a lot in um, in. A lot of what they are teaching, they can they can basically say that there has been an an, an awakening to this new truth that you know through things like zeitgeist. If you if you kind of are aware of some, the stuff that's going on on you know YouTube or whatever, that a lot of people are very you know they they believe that they have written Christianity off and that it's been thoroughly discredited discredited. And this has all happened, of course, in the span of a pretty few amount of years since the advent or the real taking off of the Internet. So a lot of people view a lot of times this enlightenment as have, having figured out the truth and figured out that our oppressors, that Christianity was just trying to control our minds and we need to throw off this yoke that, that it's been, that's been holding us back and causing all these wars. We need to get rid of it. And so that's kind of where, where that comes, comes from. And this is another uh, quote here. Um, but he says, uh, oh, I didn't read the last one, but, but few will have to be able to deeply understand what's happening to those around them in order to be defended against the worst effects of this irregular and drastic change. David Icke, uh, says this, a person, uh, also believes at 26,000. Okay. We, we can go into a stage two, which is the incredible consciousness shift, which is going to happen and is happening for ma- many people already, but it can happen for everybody if we open up to the knowledge of what's going on. And to do that, the edifice of oppression must go. And the second is not going to happen for many people unless we remove the edifice of suppression. Read Christianity there, by the way. Cause, because most people are going to think, what the heck is going to on, going on? And they're going to go through this great change of a complete fog. What's happening? Oh my goodness. And so he goes on here. Two things to do here. One is to start focusing on how the world is controlled. Read by Christians. Uh, and of course, these people go into great detail about the Catholic Church and the, you know, all these different things about that. So in the conspiracy world, it's absolutely crucial that nobody sees any difference between the Catholic Church and the rest mm-hmm. of Christianity. It's the most, one of the most important concepts right. for any of this to work. Uh, to start focusing on how the world is controlled, identifying it, removing it. Secondly, then we can concentrate on the transformation spiritually that is unfolding unto the world in whatever, 2012. And this is a random channeling session that I pulled here. There is an extraordinarily divine alchemy also happening with your planet and humanity as it experiences this karmic transmutation. The roots of a new human evolution are taking hold through the changes that will occur in your lives and in your, and in your world over the next years. Uh, a human society of oneness will indeed be birthed. If there is no change, no upheaval, which causes the old ways and systems to be evaluated and dispensed with, then no evolution is possible. So if my, my hypothesis about this is that there will be an alien something. They'll show up and say, hey, we're aliens. Uh, and a big part of that is probably going to, you know, save us from this uh, mm-hmm. you know, great wars that we're doing to ourselves. And they'll come in the nick of time. But you can see how 
the evolution thing would make sense at that point because they are going to tell us probably something like, we created you. We are just a more mm-hmm. evolved version of what you guys can become. And now you're on the threshold of becoming more like us. Mm-hmm. These more, you can read people's minds right. and you're really close to that now. And that's why we've come back here because you're at a special time. And if, if they show up or something crazy like that, signs and wonders like mm-hmm. that show up, then we're going to believe what they say, even though it's illogical. And we say, well, who created you then? I mean, if you created our DNA, I mean, who created your DNA? If I can make a comment on that, um, there's a famous quote from Barbara Marks Hubbard, who's one of the top leaders in the New Age movement, very influential in global politics, uh, almost was selected as the vice presidential candidate in the Democratic Party. Uh, a few decades ago. What? Yeah, Barbara Marks Hubbard. She, uh, I think she was like no. on top of the, one of the first ballots. Uh, yeah. They're like wow. 1980, I believe. Uh, that blows me away. Barbara Marks, yeah, go check out the history of, uh, but anyway, very influential person, and she was talking about what her ascended master said, and them talking about having to get rid of, uh, people like, uh, the traditional Christian, Judeo-Christian belief system. And that they were going to have to be discarded and sloughed off the earth, basically. And the final description is, they they said, don't worry, you don't have to take care of that. We will take care of it, being the spiritual beings. And in the conclusion, it says, we are the pale horse death. So they they sort of took the gloves off in that uh, communication <laughs> and says, uh, basically, here we are without the mask on. Uh, here's what we're planning yeah. to do. Uh, we are peace and love, except when it comes to traditional Judeo-Christian beliefs. Except when it comes to people we don't like. And, 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 and I'm sorry. Well, I think I, I think that, that that that's all described. I think that you know this is why I have a, a one thing out there called uh, how 2012 enlightenment will lead to genocide, and I think that this is what they're going to do. I mean, this is at least part of the justification for wiping. Christians off the face of the earth. They won't have so much trouble with people like, you know, Muslims and and things like that because it's going to be easy for them to sort of change back into, because I think that uh, the Antichrist is going to have a pretty sweet deal because they are expecting the Imam Mahdi and Isa, which I think were uh, a big part of preparation for the false prophet Antichrist. But uh, So it's going to be easy for them. So the Christians are going to be the only ones left saying, hey, we don't want a part of this new global oneness and there's they're going to say but you, you have to because you guys were the ones that was causing all the wars before so if you don't get a part of this then then we're all in danger of the same cycle of wars you have to die and so i think that's what's being talked about in 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 exactly in mark 13 when it says uh, for me, Jesus answered them and began saying, Take heed lest any man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. I read that like Antichrist is showing up right around there. Mm-hmm. And and when and you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. Be ye not troubled, for such things must needs be, but the end shall not be yet. So I feel like Christ was saying, Don't worry, it's he's going to pretend to be the Christ, but that's not the end. That's not the beginning of the thousand years. Don't get deceived about that. We're back at Future Quake with Dr. Future. And Tom trying not to be deceived by Onyx. Mm-hmm. Well, it doesn't look good for us Bible-believing Christians. No, you know, one of the points he makes is that there's an terms. army of people that are being deceived to hate Christians. Mm-hmm. And this so, is the latest tactic of yep. the devil. Mm-hmm. He's, tr- he's done atheism, he's done humanism, done all that. Now here's the alternative spirituality. Yep. They're getting that wicker man ready for mm-hmm. us. Yeah. So. Uh, somebody else out of that wicker man is Merv who can tell you how to contact us at Future Quake. Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information.
email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. We got to go. Let's get out of here. Last segment with Chris White tomorrow. Until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Bye. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake, quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom, a CIA propagandist, bionic. Knew it all along. Oh, you got me. So most of our emails yeah, say. say. <laughs> the middle name, I'm actually communicating uh-huh. like a secret message to somebody. Yeah, Colin Ross, he'd give me a hint on it, too. Yeah. yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, it's great to be back for uh, our next segment of the Future Quake Show this week. It is our fourth and final installment with uh, Brother Chris White, who was the host of the No War to Run radio show, uh, and also the host of the 2012 Deception website, uh, which is what we're talking about this week, the 2012 Deception. Uh, and uh, we're entering the last segment, but yesterday he got into the nature of the spirit beings you know, I that think are talking to people like David Icke and I, I people know. like that. I, I, think it's, I think it's interesting to take all of this stuff in the larger context of it's just another, it's another thing to make an army of people who hate Christians. Yeah, that's the common denominator. They hate Christians. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's uh, just like the New Age people I was around. They said the same thing. Yeah, I know. You mean like a few minutes ago? No. <laughs> I mean like uh, <clears throat> in Montreal. People oh, who take the Bible literally. Yeah. Actually, there are some Christians they don't mind. Mm-hmm. If they don't take the Bible real seriously, you can use the name Christian. You're okay. Yeah. It's just if you take that, particularly the, you know, Christians who embrace spiritual warfare, I guess, are probably the ones that they're most concerned about. Most afraid of? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I believe it. Recognize the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you think we should go on to uh, this last segment? Let's hit it. Uh, here's our last segment with Brother Chris White, and we'll be right back to wrap it up here at Future Quake. If I can make one other quick comment about my observations. When I went to the conference in Montreal that was sponsored by the United Nations and World Council of Churches, almost the entire, I'd say virtually the entire conference, and there were three weeks of speakers. They were all about 2012. They were about ancient astronauts, about Space Brothers returning for us. And this was endorsed and funded by the United Nations and World Council of Churches. Uh, most of the attendees, there were several hundred attendees, uh, all of them that I overheard were all psychiatrists, psychologists, counselors. Most of them worked for the state. Um, and uh gentleman, uh, Pastor Chris, who was with me, uh, he and I were walking along just entering in, and we mentioned to them about how how inclusive they were. They were just so inclusive to so many different spiritual backgrounds and things like this. And we said, is there anybody here who wouldn't be welcome in this group? And uh, one of the gentlemen stopped and thought, he says, you know, really the only people not welcome here are those who take the Bible literally. And I I think that's a very honest answer right now because no one else really poses a threat for this plan to come through and to go into condition. Now, uh, one of the uh, gentlemen, uh, Stephen Bassett, who was a popular person on Coast to Coast, mentioned that there, there was concern about Muslims and how they would handle this because 
they're monotheist. But there are other things that we know that are going to happen in the Middle East, like the Gog-Magog War, and it, possibly their whole view of God's promises to Israel may end up being their own undoing, regardless of the actions of the Antichrist. So we don't know how that's going to come out. But, but these people are, are being more open now that those who cling to the, the word of the Bible and take it literally are the ones that are going to be uh, on the outside looking in. But everyone else is ready to go. But embracing these foreign gods, in fact, we had people saying that they worshipped the Babylonian gods and baked cakes for them like they did in Canaan. So nothing is taboo right now uh, in what's going on. It fits right into what you're talking about. Do you think the occult world... We'll use this date of 2012 in 2012 to try to forcibly create an event to try to deceive the public. Um, yeah, I think that's kind of what uh, what Dr. Michael Heiser was possibly alluding to when he said, you know, it's part of Satan's eschatology. It really doesn't have it's not on the map as far as the Bible is concerned necessarily. But I think Satan has set up an arbitrary date uh, that he is best guess, if you will. Of, mm-hmm. he, he sees the signs and, and, and he knows that we're close. And he probably has a, a, a few key markers in his uh, study of the Bible that he knows a pretty general time frame. And I think it's his best guess. And I think that um, he is still waiting for some sort of permission in some way from God to do it, you know. Uh, and I think that um, I, I don't know how that all works out. I have absolutely no idea. But I, my, my impression of it is is that it's a, it's a set date that he can use uh to to be as vague as possible but it could be something extremely specific um I, all i know is that uh the way i read the bible it's going to it's going to end up being you know people either worship him or die and there isn't any black or white there you know i mean this this has to be a major deception and i think that what when you the story that you just told the most interesting thing about that to me was the presentations were focused on things like 2012 the and the mm-hmm. ancient astronaut agenda in my opinion 2012 the ancient astronaut agenda and the uh, sort of zeitgeist model of the world that ancient avatars do come back from time to time those three things are absolutely crucial to the world bowing their knees to the antichrist and without them i don't think uh, i don't think that's why satan has a consistent uh, uh, agenda to get those that are listening to him, those that will are willing to speak for him, to say those three things: 2012, uh, alien, um, some variation of alien stuff, but certainly alien astronaut things, and the kind of zeitgeist line, or just anybody that you know. If you just anybody that could be anti-Christian is is obviously good for him too. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, how do you think this topic? will play a part in an end-time scenario you expect. Uh, you began to allude to it a couple of times. I interrupted you. But could you sort of lay out what you think is going to be, how, how you could sensibly see in line with Scripture, how this is going to all unfold? Sure. Well, I think that, uh, again, back in, in Mark 13, um, and this is the parallel passage of Matthew 24. I've just been going to Mark 13 for some reason not lately, but uh, it's it, he gets he gets done saying, okay, you should hear wars, rumors, wars, be not troubled, for such things must need to be, but the end shall not be yet. So he's warning us, don't be worried, the end's not yet, even though you're seeing somebody saying that I am Christ. The end is not yet. Of course, the person is going to say, hey, I'm Christ, a thousand years starts now, peace and everything. But he goes on and says this, 
for the, for nations to rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there should be earthquakes in diverse places, and there should be famines, troubles, and these things are the beginnings of sorrows. But then he goes under this long thing about, but take heed to yourselves, for they shall deliver you up to councils and in the synagogues, and shall be beaten, and you shall be brought before the rulers and kings for my sake, for testimony against them, and for the gospel must be published among all nations. Now, I think that uh, all this stuff that we're reading here is a part of the stuff before the six seals. I think this is, you know, obviously... Uh, a lot of people would read that and say, hey, what do you mean we're going to go through that? Uh, that's for like later on. It's like, no, that's that's from the part of the six seals. Hey, we should be lucky that we're not going to go through the seven trumpets or the seven bowls. But um, all this stuff, the, the killing of Christians associated with this end time scenario where the Christ comes back and, uh, you know, and. And all that stuff seems to be something we're going to go through, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. My, my point is to, to wrap this up and say what my, my theory is, is that in order for that false Christ to come back, I think that to deceive Christians and the rest of the world who have a, sort of this weird view that they all know about the Antichrist, even though they hate hate Jesus, but they know about the Antichrist and are worried about him, um, they are expecting something and they need to be given what they're expecting or the Antichrist is in danger of being found out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that we will be provided an individual that will seem like the Antichrist. He doesn't have to do all the things. I don't think that he has to, let's say, make a peace agreement with Israel, although he might. Uh, this pats the Antichrist. He just needs to be vaguely associated with the Antichrist in in the last part of this, uh, as this sort of New World Order absolutely terrible system, oppressive system. He needs to sort of be viewed as kind of a part of that controlling it in some way. And I think that the, the alien thing, whatever that is, if they show up here in ships and say, Hey, we created you. Uh, you guys are like us. You guys are gods. You just aren't, you just aren't involved yet. All we did was we just genetically modified you, use science and technology. We're, we're just like you. You are gods. So I think that then you need to be enlightened. And now we're about ready to be enlightened. I just saved you from destroying yourselves because you had this big, you stopped this big war on the fields of Megiddo, even possibly a war that's intended to look like Armageddon, because I think that there's enough geopolitical power in the new world order to create a, a semi appearance of a, of a, of a big war like that. That's all focused, of course, on, uh, geo, you know, like on Christian, Christianity and Judaism and whatever, which would be easy re- really to do right now. Cause there's a powder keg just waiting to be, uh, you know, lit over there. Mm-hmm. So all they need is that they have the aliens or whatever it is. Maybe it's not alien something. Say say that issue, and then it, whatever whatever is associated with that new system uh, will, I think, be the real antichrist. It will seem like here we have a gentleman who is claiming to be like this being that has visited us all throughout the history of the world. He was Buddha. He was Krishna. He's come here again uh, at this crucial time in our evolution and whatever. He'll claim some sort of association with that. And that's what I meant by saying that the truthers and the lackadaisical Christians are going to be vulnerable to that kind of deception because they're going to get what they want. Mm-hmm. The, new, the new world order is going to die you know, all the stuff that they've been poked and prodded to hate, and for good reason, I mean, for good reason, but all of that's going to seemingly be destroyed, and they're going to say, we are now done with it, you know, let's begin the thousand years of peace, and I think that that's where um, 
you know, the the beginning of the Antichrist's reign will, will look like peace and safety because it's going to look like he's done away with all the potential for evil. But as we see uh, here in, in Mark 13 and all the parallel passages, that uh, it shortly becomes into a free-for-all bloodshed in regards to Christianity. Mm-hmm. And that's what this is all preparation for. It's just early. It's early in the going, you know, but we're seeing it. Uh, and I think, I don't know how early it is, but this is the beginning of it. It doesn't. I know a lot of people look at this and say, well, it's not that big a deal, you know, whatever. But I think it, it, the only thing is, is that it's missing a key ingredient. All this stuff that, that we're being taught right now is still requiring the signs and wonders to make it actually function. Hmm. Wow. Uh, so it sounds like to me in this atmosphere, a little bit of knowledge about Christianity in times could actually be harmful. And unless you're a real Bible student... And you really study all your scriptures carefully, and then you seek the Lord for uh, divine protection, for discernment, for protection over your mind. Uh, that's the only way to not fall subject, it seems to be. That's exactly right, and that's why I think that there's been such a push to not take the Bible literally, uh, and to not. Uh, so a lot of a lot of people that aren't, you know, taking the full counsel of God, and it's not just about studying prophecy; it's just about you know, uh, you know knowing the Lord. Yeah. yeah, and and that's that's all you really need to know. You don't. I think the Lord's going to tell people about this stuff in a flash of you know whatever they need to know. If they're walking with the Lord, mm-hmm. they don't need to have their nose in a book but they or they need to have their nose in the bible but they um but they don't need to know about all the stuff that i just talked about but, but, they, but the bible says the bible tells them to expect deception so much that even the elect could be deceived and to expect it and to be watchful and pray so they at least know no matter what their intellect capability wisdom level that the bible tells them to expect it and also to ask god for help to not fall subject, and that's something they can do, correct? Oh, yeah, and I mean, that's what why our God is so good. I mean, our Lord said, whenever they asked him, like, what's going to be like when you come back, he makes a big point of it to say, be not deceived. There's going to be many people coming in my name. He, all throughout the Bible, that's that's the reason that we're essentially a target. We're a big thorn in our in, the, in Satan's side because our God has prepared us. Uh, he's told us the what the deal is and how this is all going to end. We've been given uh, a blueprint for this whole thing, and that's why we're absolutely dangerous to this agenda because it can't work with us saying, "Hey, wait, no, um, actually, this isn't true. Um, <laughs> this is all a lie." So right. we're 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 going to ruin the party. Okay. At least those who have some kind of heads up of what's going on. I'm ready to crash a party. I don't know about you guys. Are you? Yeah. <laughs> you're you're ready to be. Hat, let's get the little hats with the little stringy things. Yeah. You're going to be the fly in the ointment. Yeah. You know what what they used to sing when I was growing up? Every party has a pooper. That's why we invited you. Party pooper. <laughs> I'm going to wear a party big old pooper. shirt today. Where they like take my head off that says party pooper. Well, and that's you know maybe we should get those printed out, Chris. Yeah. Because yeah. for the world, that's how Christians are going to be seen. In fact, even like the two witnesses, <laughs> what happens when the two witnesses are killed? Hey, let's have gifts. Let's give each other gifts to celebrate. We could actually make the like, fact they're dead. We could make like the pyramid with the all-seeing eye and then yeah. party pooper like crushing it. Okay. Know, falling from yeah. the sky. You know, I picture the, the forces of evil 
when Chris White and uh, Tom Bionic are finally left off in the persecution and death, mm-hmm. and you all go under the guillotine, that they'll actually give gifts for that too. I wouldn't be surprised. Well, I'm yeah. still waiting for the part where I want to be like Brock when we meet Buffy right before the rapture, and like you read oh, all those okay. popular novels. Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I just uh, picture the Force of Darkness taking all of those DVDs that you all sent out and changed everyone's minds and got so many people in the kingdom. They'll have a big bonfire and burn them and. They'll celebrate when you've gone on because a true Christian is a party pooper to the king of this world Mm -hmm. and what he has underway. Uh, What do you think is the next major event you expect we'll see regarding this topic or to look out for on the way to 2012? Um, War. War. I think war is the main thing. I think that uh, there's got to be war before there is and Antichrist, and I think Antichrist is the next thing. So I think Antichrist comes in in the blaze of some sort of deception. So war, deception, Antichrist, lots of roller coaster rides. Uh, as far as uh, you know, things getting real weird after that. Hmm. Okay. Um, do you think, uh, for example, this whole situation with Iran is that likely to be a scenario to occur and make things fall apart quickly? I think it's a setup. I don't know how it's going to be used. I mean, I think when I look at the stuff going on right now there and I see the control that they have of those countries the same way that they have over our country, I mean, uh, it's all just a game. I mean, it's all just a show. They could pull the trigger on any of that stuff whenever they want as long as, as long as it's beneficial to this system. There is no other agenda except for the Antichrist. They are all serving him whether they know it or not. There is not an agenda in this world except for that. Right now, it's the most important thing in Satan's mind, So, and it probably always has been. So that's what that war is, is being set up for, something to do with this deception. So I don't think it's real. I don't. Th- I think that uh, you can look at the New World Order's funding of, like through the UNWRC or the United Works Relief, whatever agency of the you know Palestinian curriculum, you know, to, to get people, to get them mad at the Jews and, you know, to do all these different sort of things. They're creating the conflict in a lot of different ways. I don't think any, I, I, I'm not, I'm not giving Islam a pass or anything, mm-hmm. but they have been trained to do this very thing for mm-hmm. this reason. Uh Oh, sounds like we need to lodge a call with heresy hunter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah. Receive, hey, he, hunter. Hey, he, uh, he actually, uh, he, he, he actually did that already because he was talking about Christians maybe going through some of those seals. Oh, I know. So he already qualified. He must have been, he pre-qualified he must have been talking about, like, metaphorically, like, seals, you know, with, like, Or, or maybe, like, the animals with the little yeah, uh, beach I mean, ball on top yeah, of their the nose. Yeah, the blubber and the running <laughs> yeah. around. Yeah. I'm going to get a bumper sticker that says, like, pre-wrath baby or something like that. But nobody would get it. Nobody would ever get yeah. it. So, so. No, you're right, because yeah. people generally aren't very well read to even know what other people are thinking, much less believers. Yeah. Uh, given all this information, what can our listeners really do constructively with this information? Because I know you're a brilliant person, and you don't do things just to get people worked up, or you don't. You certainly don't have any financial motive. Uh, you are the real example for the future of the body of Christ that that you know looks forward to trying to con- do something constructively for the kingdom rather than trying to make a fast buck. And that's why I think you're really the prototype for the church in the future. But in, in line with that, what can they take with all this information and accomplish something with it? Oh, you're making me feel bad because I just put a Berkey water filter thing on my 2012 blog. So anyway, <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, you know, I, I do actually don't solicit anything for any of the other stuff. I, the 2012 thing is just sort of a different thing in my head, but, uh, I guess apparently it's not. I actually had a funny story, <laughs> funny story the other day. I was thinking about, 
I was thinking, well, maybe I could put like a PayPal donation thing on one of my sites or something. And I was actually like uh, in in my car and I was uh, actually praying. I was like, God, can I put like a PayPal thing on there? And I looked over like almost like had my head turned to the front of this, uh, the front of this door and it said no soliciting. So, <laughs> so now is this how you afford the opulent lifestyle that I know you live? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Hey Tom, can I is it cool if I don't pay the electric bill for a couple of weeks? You know, there's there's been so many almost exposés about you, about the the jet setting, yeah, you know, about the the, uh, the uh don't know where to run, right. Yeah. Uh Learjet and things like that. So uh I'd really worry about that because where to run. there's been a lot of talk about you having places to fly. Really <laughs> been sold out, you know, to uh to godliness or worldliness, but uh Having said that aside, what yeah. can they do constructively with the information here? Well, there's lots of things, but I think the main thing is to just uh, follow the Lord, follow him hard. Follow him like he's your boss, and, you know, I'm speaking to myself here, too. I mean, and, and talk to him like you're talking to uh, a friend because, I mean, you're not going to be getting anything past him. So you might as right. well just, like, tell him the truth and, you know, ask for the stuff, uh, you know, that you need help with and stuff and just follow him. He's got all this stuff figured out. He knows exactly what he's doing and he's not letting nothing is, is happening that he's not uh, taking. He hasn't already figured out. So he is the guy. Just follow Jesus. All this stuff is secondary to what Jesus is doing. Find out what he's doing in your life. Find out what he wants to do. He's got huge things going. He just wants you. He's not going to, you know, don't wait around for like him to like show you what to do. Like, I was just waiting for my, you know, thing to show up. Just go out and, you know, just, well, I don't know what to do. I mean, I I don't feel like everybody should be an evangelist or everybody should do anything close to what I'm doing. Let me recommend to people, just go see what Chris White is doing. That would be a good start. Yeah. Just go look and see the kind of stuff you're doing. Go to DVDtrack.com, download the video there, the DVD, and burn massive copies. Hand out 10 a day, 20 a day. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and see what happens. And see exactly. what happens. To see God I think move. that when you bear a little bit of fruit, God prunes you to bear more, even if you weren't even trying. Like the more the more that you bear, the more He's going to be like, all right, well, you're going to start bearing more because I'm just going to I'm doing it now. Can, can I mention a few things? Um, given this information, the fact that you've documented clearly, there is a there is an intentional deception that's planned. It's going to be incredibly complex. It's going to be a lot of head fakes, a lot of stuff that. Uh, even the elect, the, the ones who know a little bit of the Bible, could could be their own undoing, and suggest that people make a concentrated effort to study as much of the Bible as they can, and particularly they need to, to in, put it in their whole life, every part cover to cover, about how you live your life, your character, how to abide in Christ, all of these things, mm-hmm. how to relate to your fellow man. You know, I'll, I'll actually but, I'll throw out something there uh, since we're on this subject. Chris White has taught me the value of having an MP3 player in your pocket at all times loaded with Bible teaching. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a uh, Chris you, White thing. You would miss a lot of hip-hop music, though, and a lot of like <laughs> entertainment news if you did that. That's true. That's but one of the sacrifices. I don't actually watch TV or like hip-hop. Okay. Really not, not, not that bad okay. of a trade. So, so I would recommend the whole Bible, the whole Word of God, but particularly keep an eye on the end times word. Look at different views that Christians have, not just a few, but a lot of them, so you could be aware of different scenarios that play out that maybe even the folks around you maybe weren't aware of, but at least you're informed and you can possibly understand what's really going on. And, and particularly look at the passages of how Satan deceives people 
in the Bible and how the ways that the Bible says how he does it. And then spend time deeply in prayer. And if you can find a prayer partner, uh, because there's power in praying together, to pray that, that you will be spared from this deception and make it a focus of your life. And Bearford, is that a good suggestion for our listeners? Sure, I couldn't have said it any better. That's a great, great synopsis. Well, if you don't mind, I'm going to, uh, right before we say goodbye, I want to say a quick prayer for our listeners, if you don't mind, Hit it right that now. we would be spared. Drop Hev- the hammer. Heavenly Father, I just pray on behalf of Brother Chris, Brother Tom, myself, and all of our Futurian listeners out there, and anyone, Lord, that seeks and desires to follow you. Lord, we pray for mercy from you. We pray for supernatural wisdom and discernment. And, Lord, that we can see the works of the devil, that we see your hand illuminating what may look good, but may that is actually from him. Lord, we pray that the fact that we've come here today to listen to this show uh, is evidence, Lord, that we're serious about this, that we know that this may be the generation that all this comes to pass, and that this is time for seriousness, for grave thinking, that, that the battle is at its most critical stage right now. It's like battle of the bulge in the spiritual world. And it's time that we used every skill that you give us to be faithful and to be victorious in this battle. So we pray, we just pray for your mercy in giving this supernatural wisdom that we need uh, to help ourselves and our loved ones in the days ahead. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And thanks, Brother Chris, for his time in doing this. Well, we're going to have to say goodbye, but could we end with you just sharing with us how people can get a hold of your teaching materials? And uh, find out more about this. Sure. You can go to the main website is nowheretorunradio.com, and that will take you to all the other websites there. Just go to nowheretorunradio.com. And also, I would suggest uh, a plug here for uh, Tom Bionic's uh, website, Stop Sleep Paralysis. Um, oh, thank you. we got to get – if you have a blog, link Stop Sleep Paralysis on that blog because it is – just great if we can get that thing a little higher in the rankings and links to blogs just do absolute wonders so link that thing so we can get ahead of those people that are uh that are a little not quite uh right yeah <laughs> well i'm in conclusion i just want to say i believe there's going to be a whole lot of that sea of people in heaven with the with the palms in their hands waving it that got there because they listened to Mighty Tom's Bible study because they went to stop sleep paralysis or nowhere to nowhere to run. And a lot of those people are going to be there. And I don't know any kind of more noble goal anybody in our audience could have is to do something like that. So I want to thank you and give you Godspeed, Brother Chris, and look forward to hearing you speak here in a few weeks mm-hmm. All at right. the Last yeah. Days 2010 conference. Lastdays-.net, lastdays-.net. Okay. Thanks again, and thanks so much, Chris. Come back soon and be with us. Okay. We're back at Future Quake with Dr. Future. And Tom fighting the war, bionic. Spiritual war. Spiritual war. Yeah, no guns. No guns. So FEMA, Spiritual DHS, guns. Yeah. they don't have to be triggered. They'll be monitoring our show. Yeah, no. It's all spiritual realm. It's all spiritual Which, realm. Actually, for some of them, that may concern them, too. I'm because sure it probably know, maybe even concerns them more. We know leaders in, D, in uh, NSA, yeah. the security agents, and others yeah. who have already claimed their spiritual allegiance yeah. as well as... Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure old Mr. Aquino's got a file on his desk with our names mm-hmm. on it. Yeah, enemies number one. Yeah. Well, it's Chris White. I'm a sure whole, Chris yeah, White's in there, too. Yeah, file drawer on Russ Dizdar. Mm-hmm. we got to get that right. guy. Well, what did you think about this last segment? Any thoughts he had about how it's going to play in the end times role and you know, uh, a very seductive uh, deception? As, as you and many, many of our listeners know, 
know, uh, Brother Chris and I talk almost every day about different things. And, uh, um, you know, he feels like he feels like this is sort of the beginning of the end. But I've always felt like um, this is just another like there's what's going to happen next. And then the end starts. Mm-hmm. So um, but all in all said, I think he really laid out his points well and really mm-hmm. had an intelligent uh Whatever you mm-hmm. call it. And ten, tens of millions of people are being impacted by his ministry. And there's really no good reason why any of our listeners can't have a similar impact. They give themselves over their time, their talents over to the Lord. Uh, so, someone else devoted to the Lord is Murph, who can tell you how to contact us at FutureQuake. FutureQuake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay. We all all That's it. Been out. Yep. Come back tomorrow for tomorrow's tremors. Mm-hmm. Until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Bye. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake, quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom Heresy Hunter Bionic. <laughs> you know, we have new listeners every day on Future Quake. I know, and I just thinned the herd. <laughs> yeah, I can hear the sound of radio dials turning off yeah. throughout Middle What's that Tennessee. Sound? Heresy Hunter, call him quick. Heresy Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Future Quake Show. <laughs> I did not know that was coming, uh, otherwise I would have taken proper action before we started taping here. Uh, <clears throat> somehow he got this bright idea. This is your alter ego, basically. No, no, no. It's a, it's a like a TV show. I'm thinking up, where you've got like this guy named Heresy Hunter, you know, and he goes around mm-hmm. sort of getting people who are, uh, you know, questioning official sort of dogmas mm-hmm. and stuff, or you know, yeah. Do you know a lot of those people already email our like, show already yeah, I was to say, do that? Yeah, <laughs> maybe we want to edit that part yeah, out. Yeah, we have a lot of those people in that role. And uh, it could be great though, like a straight. sort of like a Batman style uniform, you know, all black with bulletproof vest and a big yellow H with a slat red slash through it. Mm-hmm. You know, and go yeah. out and getting people. Yeah, <clears throat> you know, I haven't heard that on too many other Christian talk radio shows. Yeah, I've already got the up. theme song. Mm-hmm. Want to hear it? I think I just heard part of it just then. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry about that outburst there, but unfortunately, if you've listened a period of time, you know that happens periodically. Yeah. Really nothing much I can do about it, but it's great to be with you here on another Friday on the Future Quake Show, and because it's Friday, it means what? And now, give us the traditional answer of what Friday okay, is. Okay, well, I'm going to give you the real answer first, and then give you the traditional one. It's Revelation 18 News. Okay. Or Today's Tremors, or Tomorrow's Future Review of the News. Yeah, almost. you almost got it. Well, today's trimmers are t- tomorrow's <laughs> today's da, da, da. review of tomorrow's news. You got me all messed up. Lazy. Hunter. Okay. Okay, that's it. Okay. Now you got people going to be humming that in their office space for the rest of the week. 
Uh, it's great to be back with you for some more stories. We can jump right in. One one quick announcement I have this week. Um, happened to be on uh, Tom Horn's Raiders News Network website. You did? Or saw, we did? Or what? Well, no. He normally puts oh. an announcement about our show press oh, release. Oh, I, I thought maybe you had done a... Done a no, oh, okay. I just... It's called reading it, okay? Oh, I was reading sorry. it, for, you know, for news. And I see in there an announcement about the last day's 2010 conference. Sweet. Yeah, on Raiders News Network. Yep. So I would expect that will increase our attendance from people from this part of the country yep. considerably. Five to six. From five to six. Just We've kidding. got a good size crowd. Actually, it's already, it's kind of big at this point. Yeah, yeah. we got to, it's mm-hmm. the feel-good hit of the summer, I think. Yep. Except it's talking about widespread death and destruction, yeah. except for that. Yeah, except for the end of the world. <clears throat> other than that, it's good. Other than that, yeah. But it's going to be some great speakers mm-hmm. coming. I uh, hope you look forward to checking it out. And uh, I guess we can jump right into the news, unless you have any other announcements. I'm good. Just okay. come to the last day's conference. Uh, April 23rd and 24th. Yep. Go to last-days.net. Mm-hmm. There you go. And check You're her out. so professional. Me? Yeah. <laughs> I'm over here singing. you had a mouse in your pocket. <laughs> uh, you want to start out with a story? Sure. Let me, I'll just start with a, um, well, let's see what we got here. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Now, do we want to hear about this, uh... Don't, this? No, none of this picking. You just... All right, fine. You pick what you organized. Okay, but I'm well. You just have a good way of like sort of, you know, distilling. Yeah, sifting. Yeah. Well, we'll go with this WikiLeaks one. I had already told you about it, or as you say, WikiLeaks. Yeah, you did one last week too, didn't you? Uh huh. Okay. Okay. WikiLeaks. Okay. Um, no, you know what? I don't think I. I uh, we talked about it on the yeah, phone, but maybe, maybe life yeah. just blurs for me. Yeah. We talked about it on the phone though. Okay. Okay. We'll lay it on us. WikiLeaks. Uh, editorial, the U.S. must stop spying on WikiLeaks. Uh, now, if you go to their, their Twitter page, actually, you can see a bunch of different posts that they've done that they've mm-hmm. been under heavy CIA, mm-hmm. uh, State Department surveillance, and they've gotten, uh, they've gotten the flight documents and stuff from the people who were sent to surveil them and mm-hmm. detain them. And Well, as a general rule stuff. of thumb, if you try to expose truth, the government will quickly move in to crush you. Mm-hmm. That's just a general rule of yeah. thumb. Yeah. Um, so here's a here's an editorial. I, I wish more people would go kind of check that out and maybe I don't know support them or something. Mm-hmm. Um, right. I don't certainly don't agree with everything that they do, but anytime no. somebody tries to be honest, I feel like you I should could give them, them. Some people out there could give them like a million dollar contribution in mm-hmm. honor of Doctor Future and Tom Bionic. There you go. No. Yeah. yeah. Or better yet, give it to us and we could pass on a there portion of that. We'll pass on them. Fifty percent. Yeah. Forty percent. Okay. What's All the story? Right. Over the last few years. WikiLeaks has been the subject of hostile acts by security organizations. In the developing world, these range from the appalling assassination of two related human rights lawyers in Nairobi last March, an armed attack on my compound there in 2000 still unattributed, uh, to an unsuccessful mass attack by Chinese computers on our servers in Stockholm after we published photos of murders in Tibet. And that was actually some pretty appalling stuff there. Uh, In the West, this has been ranged from the overt the head of Germany's Foreign Intelligence Service, the BND, threatening to prosecute us unless we removed a report on CIA activity in Kosovo, to the covert, uh, an ambush by a James Bond character in a Luxembourg car park, an event that ended with a mere, we think it would be your interest too. Developing world violence aside, we've become used to the level of security interest in us and have established procedures to ignore that interest. But the increase in surveillance activities this last month, in a time when we are barely publishing due to the fundraising, are excessive. Some of the new 
interest is related to a film exposing a U.S. massacre we will release, we will release at the U.S. National Press Club on April 5th. Uh, and that's an interesting one from what scant little details I could find. I'm not sure, really sure what all is going on, but it seems like the Pentagon was running some sort of an assassination campaign, and it didn't just involve foreign nationals. It may have involved mm. U.S. citizens, uh, but I don't know that mm. for a fact. That's, it's, it's hard for me to get. Mm -hmm. I couldn't find a lot of details on it, <clears throat> although that may have changed here. No, WikiLeaks is the place is where it's at. Yeah. Cutting edge mm -hmm. on the edge of this. For, for this particular story, definitely. Mm -hmm. The spying includes attempted covert following, photographing, filming, and the overt detention and questioning of a WikiLeaks volunteer in Iceland on Monday night. I and others were in Iceland to advise Icelandic parliamentarians on the Icelandic Modern Media Initiative, a new package of laws designated to protect investigative journalists and Internet services from spying and censorship. As such, the spying has an extra poignancy. Now, they say the possible triggers are our ongoing work on a classified film revealing civilian casualties. Uh, and I love that word, uh, civilian, because that, that's what, like, police use when they talk about, you know, they should be saying citizens, mm -hmm. you know, citizen casualties. That's my re-edit mm -hmm. there. Occurring under the command of U.S. Gen US General David Petraeus. Uh, our release of a classified 32-page U.S. intelligence report on how on how to fatally marginalize WikiLeaks, which is, I believe, the one you were referring to earlier. Uh, expose our sources, destroy our reputation, uh, destroy our integri integrity, hack us, etc. Now, this is a, a, an open letter on on WikiLeaks from one of the yes. people operating. I just yeah. want to make sure people didn't miss that. Yeah. Uh, our release of a classified cable from the U.S. Embassy in Reykjavik reporting on con on contact between the US and the UK over billions of euros and claimed loan guarantees which is another interesting kettle mm -hmm. of fish pending releases related to the collapse of the Icelandic banks and Icelandic oligarchs apparently they mm -hmm. beat everybody to the punch on that one right. uh, when that happened we have discovered half a dozen attempts at covert surveillance in Reykjavik both by native english speakers and icelanders on the occasions where these individuals were approached they ran away one had marked police equipment and the license plate plates for another suspicious vehicle tracked back to the Icelandic private VIP body firm Terror, T-E-R-R. -R. What does this mean? We don't know. So, okay. um, just as a follow-up, I guess, you know, they're still being reported on, and mm -hmm. it's it's gnarly. It's getting crazy out there. So, th so these people are, are bravely continuing on to have a conduit mm -hmm. for whistleblowers mm -hmm. to come in and expose evils of powerful institutions including governments around you, the world you have a marvelous way of framing my stories i'm going to have you around for just whenever i speak and get done i'm going to kind of look to you and you can go you know say something incredibly intelligent no actually i was just trying to make sure i understood it correctly. oh okay well no that's very correct okay yeah that's very good okay. and that actually relates to a story we may get to here later on okay. where the uh, the the Leaks just recently published the CIA propaganda strategies for Western Europe on Afghanistan. Okay. Where they published a public big PR firm, and they yeah. said, well, how do we convince all these other nations to stay in Afghanistan? And uh, they had some various, you know, mm -hmm. we need to appeal to Germany's sense of mission and uh, freeing, you know, freeing captive individuals because they still bear a lot of guilt over the Holocaust. And then, uh, you know, the idea we want to de-emphasize the fact that we're helping and working with Muslims because most of the Francis population are very mm -hmm. uh, against that. And, you know, it's a, kind of a it's a wild, wild thing to think the CIA 
is running propaganda uh, to continue a war. Not anymore. No. Not when I found between out between you were, and you. I mean, yeah, it's like, when oh. they were paying the Taliban and paying them money mm-hmm. to not attack them, and it yeah. was all just cash. U.S. Cash taxpayer dollars was being handed to them in an office in Kabul. Yeah, to not attack. Mm-hmm. So basically, the war could be scripted. Yeah. And well, and we're fit. finding out here that even the support for it is scripted. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. Well, my, <clears throat> I, mine are, are more of an esoteric vein. Okay. Great. I love you your stories. They're so much better than mine. No, they're not. <clears throat> but you have to be in a more arcane uh, frame of mind for these this week for me. Um, beehives carved in Roslyn Chapel. This okay. is from the Times Online. Back to Roslyn, uh, huh? UK Times. Um, the stone pinnacle was hollowed out by medieval masons to form a beehive. Uh, the story goes the ancient Roslyn Chapel, which I hope most of our listeners are familiar with, is the centerpiece of the mysteries of the Knights Templar mm-hmm. uh, of... Like the even the Da Vinci Code and all this stuff about some secret of the Holy Grail that will shock the world one day, is thought to be there, and it 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 is very unChristian like in the structure and things there, unlike any chapel in the world, to say the least. Yeah, it's very bizarre. So, so the ancient Roslyn Chapel, beloved as the key to mystery surrounding the Da Vinci Code, the Holy Grail Knights Templar, has thrown up another unfathomable puzzle: what lies behind the secret of the bees? Uh, builders renovating the 600-year-old chapel have discovered two beehives carved within the stonework high on the pinnacles of the roof. They are thought to be the first man-made stone hives ever found. It appears the hives were carved into the roof when the chapel was built, with the entrance for the bees formed appropriately through the center of an intricately carved stone flower. The hives were found when builders were dismantling and rebuilding the pinnacles for the first time in centuries. Malcolm Mitchell from Page Park, the architects on the seven million pound restoration, said it appeared the chapel had been a haven for insects as long ago as the 15th century. From the research we've done, this is a unique situation in Europe. We haven't found any precedent of this type of hive before. We were quite taken aback. It's very unusual. In Scotland, hives are so often made of baskets, which can be lifted and moved around. It was particularly a surprise because the hives themselves are the ideal size for bees to inhabit, hollowed out to the size of a gas cylinder, but they were constructed purely as a haven for the bees. They weren't built to harvest honey, he added. It was just out of kindness and respect to the sacredness of these insects. Reverence to bees insects goes back historically to Egyptian times. Ding, ding, ding. Although, uh, although human beings have collected honey from wild bee colonies since time immemorial, at some time they began to domesticate wild bees in artificial hives made from hollow logs, pottery, or woven straw baskets. The Egyptians kept bees in cylindrical hives, and pictures in temples uh, show workers blowing smoke into the hives and removing honeycombs. Sealed pots of honey were found in Tutankhamun's tomb. Bronze Age hives were made of straw and unbaked clay have been dug up near Jerusalem. They were found in orderly rows, three feet high, each one accommodating about a 100 hives. The Greeks also developed beekeeping as an art and celebrated it on gold rings and ornaments. Honeycombs were found abandoned inside the hive in the north pinnacle, but equally strangely, the hive on the south pinnacle did not have an entry hole for the bees and therefore had not been occupied. Mr. Mitchell said, it's just another of Rosalind's mysteries. The north pinnacle was full of honeycombs, which had been abandoned for some considerable years. The honey had all dried up. Experts believe the interior of the hives were lined with a coating to prevent the wild bees from gnawing away at the stonework. 
uh, Alan Gilmore from Hunter and Clark Stonemasons. We've got stonemasons in this. Mm, the main contractors on the chapel said, I've never heard of man-made stone beehives. What I have seen is bees creating the hives in stone. When we restored the urban townhouse, we found that bees had burrowed in the sandstone and created honeycombs. They had weakened the stone. Maybe at Rosalind, the monks had the same problem in the past and created the hive as a sanctuary. There's anecdotal evidence that visitors to the chapel, which dates back to 1446, used to be disturbed by bees. Uh, Mr. Mitchell said that some of the staff at Rosalind Trust were aware some years ago that there had been bees going into the cavity. The hives have now been reinstated within the rebuilt pinnacles of the roof on the chapel. Rosalind Chapel was built on the orders of uh, William St. Clair, Prince of Orkney, begun in 1446. Work ceased in 1484 when William died, so that the building was then in the form it remains today. Members of the Scottish Beekeeping Association said that they had not heard of beehives created from stone. Mrs. Una Robertson, the organization's historian, said, I'm not an architect, but it's the sort of thing that might have come uh, my way. Bees do go into roof spaces and set up home and can stay there a long time, but it's unusual to want to attract bees into a building. Traditionally, bees were kept in a skep made out of straw or dried grass. Skeps have been around for centuries. Wooden hives only came since the 17th century. Bees have been kept in all sorts of containers, but I've never heard of stone. Hmm. Yeah. Sorry, that was a little long. But one reason why I find that interesting, well, first of Rosalind Chapel, anything they find there is unique is of yeah. interest. But there is a connection with bees and the whole tentacles of the mystery of Rosalind. The Merovingians? Well, the Merovingians, uh, when they've dug up the kings there, they found these golden bees that were part of their worship service. Mm-hmm. And those golden bees were something magical. And, in fact, Napoleon had them sewn into his coronation robe and Whoa. actually had them in there. And so if you go back and look and do a little history on bees and stuff like that, there is a, a mystical sorcery aspect to that, mm-hmm. so... I know that's a little different. Doesn't impact us quite like the Wikipedia or Wicked Leaks, but no, no, I, I thought that was a cool story. Yeah, that's a good story. All right. What else? Okay. Well, dun, 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 dun. okay. Here's one. A London trader. This is actually two short stories. Okay. And uh, you'll see the you'll see the correlation here. Okay. I've got a disturbing one next. Great. Right this one is this one is actually a little bit along the lines of the Wicked Leaks thing. Okay. Uh, a London trader walks the CFTC through a silver market manipulation. What is a CT? The CFTC. It's the uh, Commodities Future, Future Trading. Oh, I can't remember. It's in the article here somewhere. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, this is via GATA, you know, the, the gold antitrust people. No, I didn't know association. that. Yeah. Uh, on March 23, 2010, GATA director Adrian Douglas was contacted by a whistleblower by the name of Andrew McGuire. McGuire is a metals trader in London. He has been told firsthand by traders working for J.P. Morgan, J.P. Morgan Chase rather, that J.P. Morgan Chase manipulates the precious metals markets, and they have bragged to, to how they make money doing so. In November 2009, McGuire contacted the CFTC Enforcement Division to report this criminal activity. He described in detail the way J.P. Morgan Chase signals to the market its intention to take down the precious metals. Traders recognize these signals and make money shorting the metals alongside J.P. Morgan. McGuire explained how there are routine how there are routine market manipulations at the time of option expiry, non-farm payroll data releases, and COMEX contract rollover, as well as ad hoc events. On February 3rd, McGuire gave two days' warning by email to Elliot Ramirez, a senior investigator for the CFTC. 
FTC's Enforcement Division that the precious metals would be attacked upon the release of non-farm payroll data on February 5th. On February 5th, as market events played out exactly as predicted, further emails were sent to, to Ramirez while the manipulation was in progress. Okay. Uh, that was March 26th. Hmm. March 28th. That's just all in the last few days. Yep. Yep. March 28th. <clears throat> CFTC whistleblower injured in London hit and run. Uh-oh. <clears throat> Uh, he made it through, don't worry. Mm-hmm. London Metals trader Andrew McGuire, who warned an investigator of the U.S. Commodity Futures Trading Commission in advance about a gold and silver market manipulation to be undertaken by traders for J.P. Morgan Chase in February, and whose whistleblowing was publicized by GATA at Thursday's uh, CFTC hearing on metals futures trading, uh, was injured along with his wife the next day when their car was struck by a hit-and-run driver in the London area. According to Gaddis' contact with McGuire, board member Adrian Douglas, McGuire, and his wife were admitted to a hospital overnight and released, the, released today and expected to recover fully. Uh, and the, the article is very, very long about it. But the short story is, is they were sitting at, like, at a stoplight, it mm-hmm. seems like, and uh, some dude came barreling through the stoplight and just blasted them hmm. in, a, in a, some kind of heavy, you know, heavy car. Yeah. And uh, uh, then backed up and a bunch of pedestrians he looked like he was trying to get out and i guess yeah. a bunch of pedestrians stood in his way to stop him wow. and he tried to run them over too and then he kept wow. running and somebody got a phone number and called the local police the london police and they gave chase with a bunch of helicopters and stuff yeah. and they arrested the guy but they won't release his name or any of his details surprise surprise yep so the citizens that, had to intervene, or otherwise we would never would have known. Yeah, no wonder they, no uh, wonder they want to get rid of the Second Amendment. Just think sure. what would happen if citizens mm-hmm. uh, could really get involved. Well, it's about the only people you can trust. Yep. Well, you want something a little more depressing? Yeah. Okay, you may have heard this. This was a uh, press release from the website of the uh, MIT, Massachusetts uh, Institute of Technology. Don't look at it. I'm going to surprise you. Okay, okay. Moral judgments can be altered. MIT neuroscientists influence people's moral judgments by disrupting specific brain region. Okay, out of Cambridge, Massachusetts. MIT neuroscientists have shown they can influence people's moral judgments by disrupting a specific brain region, a finding that helps reveal how the brain constructs morality. To make moral judgments about other people, we often need to infer their intentions and ability known as theory of mind. For example, if a hunter shoots his friend while on a hunting trip, we need to know what the hunter was thinking. Was he secretly jealous or did he mistake his friend for a duck? Previous studies have shown that a brain region known as the right temporal parietal junction, TPJ, is highly active when we think about other people's intentions, thoughts, and beliefs. In the new study, the researchers disrupted activity in the right TPJ by inducing a current in the brain using a magnetic field applied to the scalp. They found that the subject's ability to make moral judgments that require an understanding of other people's intentions, uh, for example, a failed murder attempt, was impaired. The research, re- uh, led by Rebecca Sachs, a MIT assistant professor of brain and cognitive sciences, report their findings in the proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences the week of March 29th. The study offers striking evidence that the right TPJ, located at the brain surface above and behind the right ear, is critical for making moral judgments, says Leanne Young, lead author of the paper. It is also startling since under normal circumstances, people are very confident 
and consistent in these kinds of moral judgments, says Young, a postdoctoral associate at MIT's Department of Brain and Cognitive Sciences. You think of morality as being a really high-level behavior, she says. To be able to apply a magnetic field to a specific brain region and change people's moral judgments is really astonishing. How they did it. The researchers used a non-invasive technique known as transcranial magnetic stimulation to selectively interfere with brain activity through the right TPJ. The magnetic field uh, applied to a small area of the skull creates weak electric currents that impede nearby brain cells' ability to fire normally, but the effect is only temporary. In one experiment, volunteers were exposed to TMS for 25 minutes before taking a test in which they read a series of scenarios and made moral judgments of characters' actions on a scale of 1, absolutely forbidden, to 7, absolutely permissible. In a second experiment, TMS was applied in 500 millisecond bursts at the moment when the subject was asked to make a moral judgment. For example, uh, subjects were asked to judge how permissible it is for someone to let his girlfriend walk across the bridge he knows to be unsafe, even if she ends up making it across safely. In such cases, a judgment based solely on outcome would hold the perpetrator morally blameless, uh, even though it appears he intended to do harm. In both experiments, the researchers found that when the right TBJ was disrupted, subjects were more likely to judge failed attempts to harm as morally permissible. Therefore, the researchers believe that TMS interfered the subject's ability to interpret others' intentions, forcing them to rely more on outcome information to make their judgments. Uh, the next steps, uh, Young is now doing a study on the role of the right TBJ in judgments of people who are morally lucky or unlucky. For example, a drunk driver who hits and kills a pedestrian is unlucky compared to an equally drunk driver who makes it home safely, but the unlucky homicidal driver tends to be judged more morally blameworthy. Hmm. So they have shown a technology they can do external to you that yeah. can change your morality. Oh, yeah. Well, that's not a surprise. They've been doing that via, uh, well, via the, the Riker pain machine. There's your Riger pain <laughs> machine say, again. He's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna rib me a little bit. Just get Riger on here and talk to him about that. I think he's dead. How'd you like to have a pain machine named after you? Yeah. But, I mean, you think about that. You think about somebody externally could go in and change about what you think is right and wrong. Sure. To me, that is the scariest thing. Well, here's the scary thing. What if they were putting, putting something in your water to make you stupid? And you didn't know it was That's there. That's impossible. Our yeah. government would never do anything and, like that. And, even even the research showed, you know, peer reviewed research showed that like, man, you gotta get that stuff out of there. That's like yeah. it's making you guys it's make it leading to like a twenty IQ mm-hmm. point dip across the board. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah, they'd go, No, no, don't worry about it. And then people kept like drinking it, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, stop and think about that. The implications. You you mean something that might even just like calcify the pineal gland? Yeah. You know what you know what I found out about the pineal gland? What? The pineal gland, and this is a, uh, this will be a, uh, here's a little sort of thing to uh, uh, come and see thing. the talk. Okay. You know, come and see the talk there at thelastdays.net. You know what the pineal gland uh, runs, helps run? It's probably sleep regulation, Sleep isn't it? cycles, yeah. Because it, uh, uh, serotonin is mm-hmm. one of the things that interacts yep. with it. Mm-hmm. You're not going to steal my thunnel, uh, thunder on pineal gland, are you? No, I, I I purposely avoided it. No, you can. You can talk no. about well, it. Well, I got enough. There's hey, enough interesting speaking stuff. Speaking of this, would you oblige me just uh, 45 seconds to pray for all of us that the Lord would protect our minds? Sure. Do you mind? And you Please can finish do. The story. Mm-hmm. Heavenly Father, I pray on behalf of all of our listeners, ourselves, and all Christians out there and other people of goodwill, 
that, Lord, you would protect our minds supernaturally from these kinds of devices, Lord, that without our permission or will could modify how we view the world and possibly even you. Mm. Lord, we would be otherwise helpless. There's nothing we can do ourselves, no matter how strong we are, to resist these type things unless you supernaturally do it. So, Lord, we come before you and ask that you would protect our minds from these kind of things, not only what we just shared but other data we have, to know that people are still doing these things today. And, Lord, we just ask and we accept, Lord, your your promise to protect us and provide for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay. Uh, we got a little bit of time if you want to. No, we don't. No, we don't. Can you hang on to that? Okay. CIA propaganda strategies for Western Europe on Afghanistan next week on the Future Quake. Okay. Sorry about that. It's okay. Merv, would you come on and tell our listeners how to contact us here at Future Quake? Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, we've got five seconds. Uh, No, no, we've got to get out of here. Okay. Thanks for letting me pray there. It's okay. Come back next week for another great show, and we've got maybe possibly the best guest we've ever had on next week. But until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Bye. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. Quake, quake, quake.